does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Well, we're going to find out. Colts wide receiver Michael Pittman there. You just heard it's a fan midday show on a Tuesday. Sun is out and shining. Joey Molinaro, Brennan King, Jimmy Cook with you guys. Thanks for being with us. Stack show today. Zach Kiefer from The Athletic at 1 o'clock. Mike Chappell following him at 2 o'clock. Plenty of Colts talk. Colts have themselves an offensive coordinator. New hire yesterday, Jim Bob Cooter, going to be calling the plays, teaming up there with Shane Steichen. So as we just heard from Michael Pittman, Hey, he can't be out of breath yelling, getting mad at the coordinators, the coaches when we're out there playing. And well, Brendan, we're gonna we're gonna find out with a whole new regime coming up in 2023. How excited were you to say Jim Bob Cooter on the radio this <laughs> afternoon? Were you thinking yeah, about gotta, that all before you went to sleep yesterday? I got a handful of tweets from people who are like, "Hey, this would be a great Jim Mercer. You know that this would be great, Jim Mercer and Jim Bob Cooter." And I, I can't disagree. You know, I can't get the image out of my mind of uh, Mr. Ursay just just hollering, ho- hollering across the hall. You know, we need Cooter. Give us Cooter. Um, but they do make the hire. He will be calling the plays reportedly. So Shane Steichen um, and, and and Jim Bob Cooter, who has had a lot of experience with developing young quarterbacks, that's going to continue to be the trend going through 2023. Heavy, heavy on offense, offensive minded. And what I'm sure is probably going to be that way, at least early on, in the 2023 NFL draft. Well, look at what Jim Bob Cooter did a year ago. I feel like he's kind of like the, that's the type of name you just got to say it in full every single time. Sure. Yep. Like Can't say Jim Bob. You can no. just say Jim when you no. have that lane out Like there in South it. Bend, my first year, we had a guy, we had a pitcher, his name was Ricky Tyler Thomas. That You, you got to say that in full every time he pitches. Here's Ricky Tyler Thomas' 2-1. Anyway, uh, Jim Bob Cooter passing game coordinator last year at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Look at what Trevor Lawrence did a year ago Mm -hmm. and how he arrived on the scene, especially when it came to throwing the ball downfield. Now, probably having Christian Kirk and Marvin Jones and Zay Jones assist in that, sure. But, I mean, if you're the passing game coordinator and that is literally your offensive responsibility and Trevor Lawrence had his breakout year under you and what he did, Doug Peterson, give him a lot of credit, but... I'm cool with that, and if Shane Steichen is going to call the plays here, Jim Bob Cooter, that's a nice little anecdote to toss in the offense. I'm good with it. And it's, you know, I think a lot was made about Shane Steichen when he first got here. The question was asked, are you going to call the plays? You know, at the time he said, yeah, but then you you look at what he learned from Nick Sirianni when he's in Philadelphia, right? Sirianni tried to take on the play calling and the head coaching duties when he first got there. Then... Everything really started to take off. The ball started to get rolling in the right direction when he handed off those duties to Shane Steichen. So I think if you're looking at it, that's a really good one-two punch there for the Colts. Hey, we got our head coach. He's a brilliant offensive mind. Also, he already knows I need to be able to oversee the whole operation here, have that offensive emphasis, but now I'm going to bring in this guy who has you know a good track record of developing young quarterbacks and Jim Bob Cooter. And then especially, too, you know, whenever it's determined if Gus Bradley's going to come back for mm-hmm. sure, whenever it's determined if Bubba Ventrone's going to come back for sure, that's a nice little parlay. You get some relatively new voices in there, yeah. and you bring back a little bit of familiarity. And now you're going to get a new offensive line coach because Chris Strasser is officially going to the Houston Texans. Looking forward to asking Zach Kiefer and Mike Chappell, if, is the offensive line fixable with a fresh voice, or is it beyond repair? That may be, other than quarterback, 
that may be the ultimate question when it comes to the 2023 version of the Indianapolis Colts. Because if that offensive line is not fixable for anybody, it doesn't matter who you draft. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who you draft. They're going to be running for their lives. Well, and to your point, I had sort of a revelation, an, an epiphany last night. Just like the, squints in the sandlot. Yes, about the Colts' Epi- epiphany. upcoming draft. The quarterback position. Going all in. I left the studio last night, and I saw that the Colts put up on Colts.com their mock draft Monday. And so they go through and they kind of look at where people from various outlets, kind of like we did yesterday to start the show, kind of where people are slating the Colts to go, who they're going to be targeting. And there were quite a few experts who slotted Anthony Richardson to the Indianapolis Colts. A few of them at four, a few of them, one of them, even with the first overall pick, Brennan King. Yes, uh, Chris Trapasso from CBS. That's not a guy in his basement. Just uh, no. Just this putting is out from mock uh, Chris Trapasso, CBSSports.com. They trade up with the Chicago Bears. He says, "Quote: I think Richardson is going to emphatically remove the lid from Lucas Oil Stadium at the NFL Combine. That will lead to the Colts taking a chance on him, given the hiring of former Eagles Shane Steichen as head coach. Richardson has similarities to Jalen Hurts and All Pro upside. Now, when I first saw that, I was going home." To the wife and the kid, I was thinking, really? I mean, we, a lot of people are going all in to Anthony Richardson. I just, I, I don't know, right? You heard Daniel Jeremiah yesterday. You don't want to miss that conversation up on 1075thefan.com at the podcast, uh, The Fan Midday Show. Lead draft analyst from NFL Network. He laid it out beautifully about all the quarterbacks that you have to be thinking about in this draft. But what he said about Anthony Richardson, Brennan, is he said, yeah, this guy's a physical freak. He has a lot of upside. He misses a ton of throws. He is, he is definitely something you're going to have to develop. Now, that's a scary, scary word when you're thinking about drafting the franchise, the future franchise, especially at number one, right? But then I started getting thinking about it a little bit more. And I started thinking, what do we know about Chris Ballard and what his tendencies are when he's drafting players? Character. Traits. <laughs> Measurables. Sure. Right? Well, yeah. Th- think about, think about the, the guys that he's drafted. Shaq Leonard, EJ Speed, Kamoko Ture, you know, Alec Pierce to a certain extent. There's a lot of these guys that maybe their college production and what they did then didn't match up necessarily, but he loved the traits, right? Who has the best traits in all the quarterbacks in the draft? It's Anthony Richardson. Physically. Physically, for sure. Okay. So you take that into mind, number one, what Chris Ballard's going to be looking at. All right. Two, all the quarterbacks that have been here during his tenure. Big guys, 6'4", 6'5", not as mobile, some a little bit more mobile, right? Yeah, kind of the perfect mix with luck, right? We all know that. But they've been big, big dudes. Bryce Young, definitely not the biggest guy. All right, you look at Anthony Richardson, 6'4", Blazer, has the best highlight tape out of everybody, right? Then, like what Daniel Jeremiah said yesterday, if the Colts were to take Anthony Richardson at 4, they trade back to 10, they move up to 1, like Trapos was saying from CBS Sports. That's going to give the Colts an identity right away. Right, an identity while still having the ability to be able to develop, and then boom, there you go. You have Jim Bob Cooter, who you mentioned was in the past game coordinator, who was developing Trevor Lawrence. You have Shane Steichen, who's developed Justin Herbert, who's developed Jalen Hurts into what he is. Those four things right there, I look at and I say, do I think it'll happen? Would I agree with it if that was the case? Probably not. But this whole idea of Anthony Richardson, oh, man, I'm just going to forfeit the fan. I'm giving up my fandom. I just don't see it. I don't think – 
I don't think it's that crazy because of those four reasons. I don't think if if they made the call for Anthony Richardson because of all those things, the potential that he has to where you could come in, you could have Jonathan Taylor himself, like Daniel Jeremiah said yesterday, they're going to lead the league in rushing. All right, well, Chris Ballard loves his trenches. He loves to have an identity. He wants to form that, right? Who better do it with a quarterback like that and then you pair him with these two coaches that you're bringing in to then not only use his raw tools and ability that he already has, it's the best of anybody in the draft, but then be able to say, okay, guys, this is why we hired you for a six-year contract, Shane Steichen. Develop him. Make him make those 15-yard dig route throws consistently. Let's ride. If you have the full confidence in him, I'm all about it. Because you go and watch Anthony Richardson's highlight tape right now, you're going to leave ready to you know, punch a hole in a door. Yeah. Like, this guy is unbelievable. Exactly. And No, seriously. No, it's just the pun- it's- the, the- Punching the hole through the door made me chuckle. I don't know. It, I thought you were going to go run through lev- a brick wall and instead. Yeah, like, yeah. It's to the. It's to. Well, I really don't have a brick wall to run through. It's fair. You know. You will when he's here. That's what I'm saying. Uh, it's kind of. It's kind of to the level of like watching a Tavon Austin tape. Like I grew up on that. Yes. Like my friend. Do you in college freshman year before you went out with your friends? Do you guys ever watch highlight football tapes? Yeah. Duh. And it'd yeah. be the most random stuff. Like, give me Chris Fuamata Maafala. Right. <laughs> Wearing 45 for the Steelers. Right. Just absolutely Mike Allstott. And Mike Allstott's another guy. Play that. His The best of Mike Allstott, give me him. I'd be all good with Anthony Richardson. I'd be all good with whoever they draft. They just need to draft somebody. <laughs> Until I see it, Joey Molinaro, I don't know if I'd believe it. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. But, you know, I, I just every, – every year around this time, you know, you get that prospect that – maybe in December when mock drafts are starting to happen. January, mock drafts are starting to happen. It's like, oh, yeah, this guy made his way into the first round. Hmm, interesting. (laughs) Then with each month, with each pro day, with each highlight video of him in shorts and a T-shirt, even though we all hate it, but that's just just the way it is of him, you know, rolling out and throwing a 78-yard bomb off his back foot, of him running a 4-4-40. With each of those things, then all of a sudden, Anthony Richardson's mocking to 15. Anthony Richardson, he might go in the top 10. Anthony Richardson might go number one. How fast did that happen with Baker on his rise? Yeah, no. Is it right, okay, for everybody out there who's listening, for everybody who's in the chat, is it is it right? Nah, maybe not. Probably not. I'm just saying that when you add all these things together, I don't think it's that crazy of an idea. Like you'd see in Instagram comments if the Colts made Anthony Richardson the selection. I don't. Here's where it worries me, because Anthony Richardson could be really, really good four or five years down the road. But if the offensive line, as we discussed to open the show, is as bad as it looked last year and is beyond repair, if Ryan Kelly can't come back from whatever he was fighting on the field, if Braden Smith can't get back to form at right tackle, if Quentin Nelson can't be an all-pro, if Bernard Ryman cannot develop if whoever they choose at right guard doesn't work out um it doesn't matter who the quarterback is it especially a young guy and maybe you give yourself a shot to even skip past that with the cj stroud or bryce young because they can potentially already make the throws that anthony richardson can't but especially if you're living and breathing by the run game and your offensive line can't play doesn't matter who that quarterback is. And then Anthony Richardson's not only going to be fighting for his life, he's going to be taking some bad hits.
and we watched that for years here. To your point about the offensive line, it's another thing that Daniel Jeremiah said yesterday. He said, you know, the scouts always say, you know, if they've done it once on the field, that they can do it. They have it in them. We've seen these guys do it. Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Braden Smith, right? We, we, we've seen them. I hope they can. Be the best off. You know what I mean? Yeah. We'll give it the least amount of sacks. I, I just don't know what the hell happened. That I don't either. So, and we'll, it's we'll, crazy. We'll ask Zach Kiefer and Mike Chappell, hoping to get a little bit more insight, maybe who they're thinking of bringing in to, to fix that position group. But it's still there. It's somewhere deep down inside there. <laughs> Hell, there's enough money you invested in it. You should be the offensive it. line coach. It's in there, Quentin. <laughs> it's in there. <laughs> I, uh, I hosted an event with Quentin Nelson, um, his fighting cancer event over the summer. It was a great time. Um, but I tell you, you just never – um, never get used to how big that human being is in person. Oh, yeah. My, my man is wearing a pinstripe suit. Ooh, he's got good style. Looks, tr- he looks straight Tony Soprano. He was singing Billy Joel karaoke by the end of the night. But uh, you just never get used to how big that man is. And wow, he gets like somebody has to go against him. You know, it's it's feel insane. bad for that guy. It's insane, right? So <clears throat> I was just thinking about it. And as I was laying in bed there last night, thinking about the show today, um, because even though I'm married and, and have a, a little son, this is what goes through my head. You know, 8.15 at night, I'm thinking, yeah, that could be a reason enough to why the Colts would make Richardson the selection. Am I saying it's right? No. Am I saying that you wouldn't regret it five years from now? No. But I'm also not saying that you wouldn't wouldn't regret it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just think when you look at especially – the development side that I'm putting such an emphasis on with Shane Steichen and Jim Bob Cooter now, I think that opens the doors to a little bit more of a project than just being the absolute surest thing of sure things. And why not make that project a guy that has upside of all upside? Would the fan base see that upside, though? No. That'd be really difficult for a lot of people to buy in considering the last four years. No. Because you're like, all right, we just got out of Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan for two years, and now we got a guy that might not be fully ready for three years. I, I, th- that'd be really I, tough I, to sell. Again, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying I have thought about it, and I've given reason enough to try to be able to put my mind what's going on over there with Chris Ballard, with Shane Steichen, with Jim Mersey. I mean, folks – you've watched the last five years with this organization. You mean to tell me that if they were to draft Anthony Richardson at number four, that's really going to surprise you that much? We're all sitting there on a Monday afternoon in November, and we we find out that Jeff Saturday is coming back to be the interim head coach. Two weeks after banging the anvil. Exactly. (laughs) So again, do I think it'll happen? No, probably not. But I'm just opening up the idea, trying to open up your mind to the possibility, the idea that maybe it's not Bryce Young, that maybe it's not C.J. Stroud, maybe it's not Will Levis that's being called on April 27th in Kansas City. You got to go. You got to set up an inception on Jim Irsay and plant the idea of Anthony Richardson in his mind. Go See, full and, Leo. <laughs> and that's you know, <laughs> I, no, I, I don't think it, I think it's fair to say that nobody is more you know plugged in 
knows what's going on. You know, Kevin Bowen, obviously, here at the fan. But Zach Kiefer, Mike Chappell, I mean, those two guys absolutely are plugged in and plugged in over there off West 56th Street. So we'll ask him about it. We're going to ask him, what's going through their head? What's going through? That's at 1 o'clock, Zach Kiefer. That's 2 o'clock, Mike Chappell. I, I hope that I didn't surprise you too much there, BK. No. No. I have a lot of folks that would be happy with Anthony Richardson in my closest friend group. A lot of guys really? are begging for Anthony Richardson. Colts guys? Uh, Colts fans. Yeah. But they've been around for a long time. Yeah. To get... And my point was, Joey, that like the diehards are always going to stick with you. We're Cubs fans, Joey. Yeah. We, how long have we stuck with the Cubs? Yeah. I, I realize that I'm a little different now, but I mean, I was a diehard Cubs fan from the moment I could really understand baseball until I got into the organization, right? That's a long time. You've been a Cubs fan for a long time. Colts fans have been around here for a Colts fans have been reading Mike Chappell's stuff since they came from Baltimore. Long time. But, like, the the fair weather and the ordinary fan, I'm not sure is going to pay the cash for four tickets a day out in the city, food to bring the family to watch a quarterback get just the crap beaten out of him for a year straight because either the offensive line isn't good enough or this guy needs three years to develop. That's what do you need three years, me. though? What do you need three ah, years? Maybe two. You know? I mean, again, that, than, that, that goes back than, to my point at about... At least two. That goes back to my point about the identity, right? You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You look at Baltimore and what they did with a healthy Lamar Jackson. You look at Philadelphia and what they've done with Jalen Hurts. What DJ talked about, you don't look and say, well, we don't have that in the building. No, what what matters is what you do have in the building, right? So you have that identity. If it were to be Richardson, you say, look, this is his skill set. This is He's a physical beast freak. We have him. We have Jonathan Taylor that we compared together, right? Like, And then you go all in on those trenches that Chris Ballard loves to talk about and has loved to talk about since 2017 when he got here, all the while being with a development on the backside from apparently two of the best in the business at OC and a head coach. You would hope so. Right. But two years, I mean, it didn't take Jalen Hurts that long. It took Josh Allen two years to figure out the accuracy thing. So I don't think BK is too off with that because I'm rereading the scouting report on Allen because I'm trying to think of great quarterbacks that their major plug was either super inaccurate and they had the percentage to show it. Sure. He was about a 56% uh, percentage completed passes his last year of college ball. Yep. That was his biggest knock, but he's also mobile. He's also super physical. They have some similar traits in terms of their strengths but yeah I mean you look at his growth he struggled a lot his rookie season and then he really took a leap he figured it out and credit to that coaching staff in Buffalo they made an inaccurate quarterback more accurate and that's the biggest project I think that's going to surround Richardson regardless of if the Colts ultimately take him or not wherever he goes that's the biggest thing he's going to have to work on and improve on for sure and you mentioned though about you know having those couple years to develop what the heck's the rush Oh, I'm in no rush. Right, but I'm just saying... I'm talking about the city buying in. I know, but even if C.J. Stroud or or Bryce Young were to be the quarterback in Indianapolis next year, does that make the Colts a 10-win team that's going to be fighting at the top of the AFC South? No, but I would think that their development, they're already steps ahead of Anthony Richards. Fair. But I'm just saying, like in in terms of if we're wanting this instant gratification, 
wanted to spend a day in downtown Indianapolis yeah. based on the, you know, the quarterback selection. I'm just saying it, it's still not going to swing. You know, I, I, I think in 2012, right, when Andrew Luck came in, that was just a, a total one-off. You don't see that. A oh, complete one-off. Completely. You don't see that. So it's going to be a process. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the fan base has to reset expectations. We, we've been talking about that the last three months is that this is not like where the franchise thought we just put a Band-Aid on this thing when Luck retired and we're going to still be contenders. Yep. There are still a lot of holes on this roster elsewhere, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. That's not even getting into the defensive players. You guys talked about cornerbacks yesterday and, and what they're going to do there and the tough decisions they have to make. But yeah, this is not a, regardless of who you draft, they're going to win the South next year guaranteed. Like, I'm not saying as a fan, don't feel that way, but you're going to be really disappointed if your goal was playoffs or bust next year, in my mind. Right. I'm not saying it can't happen. I just, you're setting yourself up for an area this team I don't think is right now. It's just the world. That's just, unfortunately, yeah, the, the part of being in the world of needing a new franchise quarterback. That, that the patience, all of that, the growing pains, the struggles, all of that comes with it. So I'm not, I'm not saying that's going to be the case. I'm just saying, don't be shocked. Don't be, don't be, you know, ready to go off a cliff if all of a sudden towards March, April, you start hearing that more and more because I think, like I just laid out, that there could be a fair case made for that to happen. He's your classic combine guy. Yeah. Oh, people are going to see him be like, oh. He's going to throw it 90 Joe, yards. Joey Molinaro, the intangibles on Anthony Richardson. Yep. Can't teach people it. Are, can't can't te- teach it. Can't teach it. DJ's going to drop that next week when he throws it 85 yards, right? And, and Apex about, you know, you can't teach that, Rich. Drops it in the bucket, right? Yeah. Jimmy Cook, didn't you have a trade offer for our friend Joey Molinaro? Joey hit us with a text today saying that he had you know a big Colts uh, uh, thought and and, and some different areas which was the pitch he just gave us but I asked him if he was thinking two first rounders for Kenny Pickett which he he didn't appreciate that joke very much but I don't really blame him no we are we're we're fine with Kenny Pickett we're going to keep rolling with him I think Um, but more to come on the Anthony Richardson discussion, the Colts drafts. Who's going to come in to fix the offensive line? What does Jim Bob Cooter bring, and what's he mean for this offense in 2023 moving forward? Zach Kiefer at 1 o'clock, Mike Chappell at 2 o'clock. So, Brennan, I'll leave you in the audience with this before we go to break. There's been – Is this a tease? There's been – this is what we call a tease. There's been uh, documentaries recently made about Bob Knight at IU, about Manti Teo and his girlfriend situation at Notre Dame, the mouse at the palace. Pretty common ones that a lot of folks around here would say 10 years ago, I would like to see that made. Those have been made. I think both of us have been thinking a little bit about a few new ones that we'd like to see come out. That's indie related. That's coming up next on Fan Midday Show. 1225 on a Tuesday Fan Midday Show. Joey Molinaro, Brennan King, Jimmy Cook rocking with you on this Tuesday in late February. And uh, I haven't checked, but I just absolutely know that uh, the YouTube chat has to just be blowing up about the Anthony Richardson talk. And, you know, that's, I guess, kind of the point of it. Just to think a little bit more outside the box in these kind of scenarios of what's, what's to come because we see it every year. It happens every draft cycle, whether it's right or wrong, whether you like it for your team or not. The fact that at least one, maybe two teams are going to fall in love with the intangibles fall in love with the rocket arm, fall in love with what could be. You know, honestly, Jimmy, your guy Patrick Mahomes has really kind of screwed the pooch for everybody. But at the same time, he's made it really great for a lot of guys like Anthony Richardson because <laughs> Anthony Richardson, all likelihood as a straight-up prospect, 
you know, he could make an argument that with his accuracy and only playing 15 games in college, should be second rounder, third rounder. Now we're talking about him being a top five pick because everybody in the back of their mind is saying, could he end up being close to what Patrick Mahomes is? It's the double-edged sword, Brennan King. Sorry about that. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I don't think your two rings are sorry. I mean, it's it's not it's not really a double-edged sword for me. It's, it's, it's not kind for of a you. sword, no. but I didn't mean to. Sorry, I didn't mean to stab you. I just it just happened. I, it just happens. It happens for one out of every thirty-two teams. Every what, fifteen, twenty? Yeah, it's yeah. a very very generational thing. But everybody wants to chase that, and people are willing to take the risk their job on the line a few years down the road to potentially hit. I mean, the Bills did it with Allen. Like, the, the Chiefs trade... I don't know if they were going to take a quarterback there, but the stories, and you read this all the time, yeah. to your point about crazy draft day stuff, yeah. the Chiefs did not say they were taking a quarterback. The presumption was that they were going to take a linebacker. Sean Payton thought that he was going to get Patrick Mahomes. Yep. And, and then the Bills were so kind of scorned by that process, we're not missing this time. Yeah. And they, they went and got Allen. So, I mean... And that worked out. Same thing. Super, like, just rocket arm, but the accuracy issues are there. So, like, I'm not I'm not going to be upset if they were to take Richardson where I would kind of have buyer's remorse or regret as a Colts fan to BK's point is if Young or Stroud are still there and they don't trade up, they just do it at four, I'd be kind of like as a fan of, I, I really liked Young and Stroud, but... Fans will talk themselves into it. They'll, to your point, sure. they'll go watch Always. the highlight tape. And they'll be like, okay, let's go. <laughs> and if there's any highlight tape that you want to watch to talk yourself into something, it's Anthony Richardson. It'd be – there'd have to be some witchcraft going on if all of Richardson, Stroud, and Young are available at four. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think what, all three will what, be there. What is but, going but, on? But, but two, yeah. two could be there if the – Two could be their fault is that but if all one three were there, goes. you're like, oh my god, yeah. how how good is Will Anderson? Yeah. You know, like, let's not underestimate the incompetence in Houston and Arizona, though. Fair point. <laughs> Very fair. Yeah, point. well, because if Chicago's going to stay put and take Anderson or Jalen Carter, yeah, who knows? With somebody what's going said on in that uh, Houston. Somebody said that Jonathan Gannon sounds like Michael Scott. <laughs> or with how, with how like he does does like the hand motion. I did a a little parody on those kind of videos and um, things that that social media that the NFL team social media do uh, with head coaching hires out on my socials at Joey Molinero. If you want to go check that out at BK Sports, B King Sports, B King yeah. Sports at the G. DG, the Jay Cook uh, on Twitter. Hit us up. We appreciate you. Zach Kiefer, 1 o'clock. Mike Chappell coming up at 2. Uh, Brendan, Jimmy, I, I mentioned before we went to break, growing up, there was always this kind of, man, can you imagine if there would be a 30 for 30 on the mouse at the palace? Can you imagine? Whoa. Manti Teo with this girlfriend situation? This is like a daily soap opera. This is a drama. This would be insane as a documentary. Those things have happened now, right? Those things have happened. We had the Bob Knight IU documentary that happened, the 30 for 30. So I got thinking a little bit more. I wanted to know, are there any in your guys' mind? And feel free to chime in, YouTube, tweet us. If you want to call in, 317-239-1070. You want to chime in, let us know. I want to know if there's any that you guys thought of or, or have thought about that you would love to see, that you would be absolutely enthralled by. Well... I'm sure I'm taking both ears, but since I have a diploma from here, I feel like I can take it. We need a 30 for 30 on 2010 and 2011. Brad Stevens and the Butler Bulldogs. That is a fantastic one to start, and it's not even on my list. <laughs> How is that possible? It honestly just slipped my mind. It was on mine. Sorry, Jamie. I figured it would be. I, I, I'm How? 
it just slipped my mind. That's impossible. I forgive you. <laughs> I don't. Look, listen. I was, well, actually, I want to hear your list first. Yeah, actually, what's your I, list? I want to forgive okay. you. Well, do you, okay, yeah. Are, right, we doing, so, uh, are we drafting here? No, we're we, not drafting. It's just what I have. Yeah, yeah no. Five I, to one. I think, I think, obviously, Brad is a spectacular interview. Gordon has done interviews about the missed shot before, but I'd love to see like an ESPN sports science version of it of like how much did it actually miss? Yep. The Gordon Hayward shot. I think shot. It, it's probably like 0.74. And like the like shoelace. Yeah. Watch some sports like science. Yeah. Like, With ESPN sports science, it's, I'm John Brickus. That's Jimmy Jimmy's nightmare every oh, other night. It's tough, man. Yeah. I mean, I was at that game. Same. You know, I I, I was. You were at the at, championship game? I was at game? the championship game. Lucas Oil against Duke, you know, was outstanding. was down there for Final Four weekend. I think even more so than just that game, though, right? You have the incredible Cinderella story of them making it their hometown, you know, going to class and coming <laughs> they downtown. They love to say going to class. They love doing yeah. that, right? Yeah. The student athlete, like, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. But the fact that they went back the next year. Crazy. But that was a horrible national championship. It, it was a horrible national yeah. championship, and it would be a little weird fizzle out on the documentary. But just the fact that they did it, the Cinderella story, they come in, go to their hometown, do it, and then the next year they, they do the same thing. Yeah, and then, of course, that led to Brad going to the Boston Celtics. Yeah. yeah. What, what would the Boston Celtics be at this? Would the Boston Celtics have Jason Tatum? Would they have Jalen Brown? You know? What would Butler be? What would if Butler Brad be? Stevens ended up just. You know, call, calling it home for a long, long time. Well, I was, I always thought that he was going to succeed Coach K. I thought, th- I always thought that would be the only job he would leave for because the year before I got there. What do you mean, not the Hoosiers? You're not leaving for he, 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 <laughs> No. Uh, but I, he, he denied UCLA the year before I got there. Then that told me, all right. Yeah, when that, yeah. When that, when happened, that happened, I thought. I never thought about the NBA as legit possibility, but once he turned down UCLA, my thought was there's not a job that, like, he, he is content at Butler. I don't think there's another job that's going to poach him, collegiately speaking. Duke makes a lot of sense. I just, UCLA is such a high-quality blue bud program yep. to say no. To say it, yeah. Uh, mine would probably be either a full, like what they did with Tom Brady for Peyton, across both his Colts time, the Colts departure and all that with mm-hmm. Ursay letting him go and then signing in Denver and then a separate one which again I know this is Colts negativity but I'm fascinated by I don't know we're all human and sometimes are fascinated by tragedy everything that went into luck hanging it up that's my number one yeah yeah that, that, that's my number my number one I have five um my number one is that because, like you mentioned, the the kind of tragedy behind it. And Zach Kiefer did a really great podcast documentary over the summer on it. Um, and I was as I was listening to it, I was like, "This is just fascinating." You know, it 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 stinks. It absolutely blows for Colts fans and for for, for Indy. But but just the human side, the the human element side of it, I can just imagine it being the drama that's built up from there. You know, what what all went into it? When did he tell, you know, the Colts? How long did they know? I mean, there, there's so many things. And not only that, but then you go back to the fact that he was succeeding Peyton. You start there, you go through his career, and then all of a sudden you have that tragic ending. I think that's got to be number one. There's so many ins and outs there. Uh, number two for me, what happened to the 2013-2014 Indiana Pacers? Mm. And why? The collapse that happened with that team, there's been plenty of rumors about it. Lance Stevenson, Roy Hibbert, Paul George, George Hill, David West. They make the trade for Evan Turner. Now they bring in Andrew Bynum. But the absolute (laughs) high of highs 
that that team and this city was on from all the way from June of 2013 when they lost Game 7 to Miami, coming through the summer, into the fall, all the way up until January 2014 when the Pacers had the best record in the NBA. I think they were something like 36-7 and seven or 36-10. and 10. I mean, Jimmy, do you know off the top of your head what exactly it was? I, I don't, but you're, you're in that. You're in the ballpark. I mean, just absolutely running away with the number one seed, right? And the whole emphasis the whole entire year was get the number one seed, have seventh game to be able to play at our building. We think we can make the finals. Closest that we felt back to the NBA finals since they were there in 2000, I'd say. Yeah. And then in late January, around the All-Star break, I mean, something just absolutely, I don't know, it was something in the water, something absolutely changed that completely made that team fall apart. And I, we, still don't, we still don't have an answer. Like I said, there's been rumors, all sorts of crazy rumors about it. But I, I, I don't think I've found an interview, whether it be from Frank Vogel, whether it be from Paul George, George Hill, any of those guys, that really everybody came to unison and said, yeah, so this is actually what happened, and this is why we collapsed, and this is why we didn't have that dream season that we thought we were going to have, and we fell to the heat in six. Do you remember? Th- I mean, you, you- yeah, I mean, that was my freshman year of college. So I had the, my first ever Pacer game, Paul George pulled up from half court and hit a shot. I was like, oh, okay, this is this looks fun. And then, <laughs> and unfortunately, Jimmy Cook was on the better end of that because, you know, he was a heat guy because of LeBron. So he was laughing at all of our pain and probably still is. Uh, first of all, <laughs> I never, I would, I, would, I would never laugh at my, my city. But secondly, bang, Mike Breen. <laughs> secondly, on top of that, just again, you talk about the human interest and element of it. We won't go fully into details here, but to your point, Joey, there are a lot of rumors and speculation of which one of those list of moves that you just shouted off, did that team break? Were they broken? Because I would argue not to the extent that it fully impacted the goals they wanted to achieve because they still got there. It's like true. It would have been very easy for them to have packed it in and not gotten to the conference finals. That's true. It was still afforded to them. They were at the doorstep. Right. So... But I think you also, if you're going to go that way, you need the full, you need to include PG in that and his departure. I want because the, the second half of the documentary is okay. Well, sure, you lost in the conference finals again. Retool, change a couple things around. Obviously, it's a tougher market to do that, but keep that core together, right? And then you don't. It the, the whole well, thing ends up. Paul and, George and, breaks his yes, leg. Yes. Uh, then that season gets. I never forget that media day. Yeah. David West was kind of just like. Well, um, we, we got a season to play, and uh, yeah. you know we're gonna go out there and play some hoops, and kind of what happens happens. I was like, okay, this is like the ultimate Peter Lafleur dodgeball. Like, <laughs> yeah. I found that when you don't have goals, it really, really makes <laughs> you know you don't have any pressure, and it's and it feels great. Um, but yeah, that's something that I, I still think about every now and then. Is that, that team? And you're right, they were at the doorstep. You remember game one, they took care of business. Game two, they were up at half. They had Miami ready to go down two games to nothing. LeBron and D Wade happen. The rest is history. But that's a tough one. That was a that's a very tough pill for me to swallow. Still number three for me, the two thousand two Indy five hundred. I don't know. BK, are you familiar? Oh two? That's Paul Tracy, Elio. Oh, yeah. You know. Yep. So I, I think that would be very, very interesting. Probably more of a niche audience. I think probably my last three here are a little bit more of a niche audience. That's but, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's because PT is still PO'd. Oh right? yeah. 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 I mean, he had a whole article about it last year as a 20th anniversary. Yeah. 
uh, of 2002. And so I think that would be just totally fascinating because you get into kind of, you know, uh, grassy knoll area with that. There's plenty of conspiracy where you can go and <laughs> certain angles and this person and this person and, uh, you know, turn three has their home video recording that sees the right angle of the yellow lights going on. Right. I mean, and Paul Tracy is, um, you know, he's quite the personality himself. And then if you could somehow get Elio to be on that, which you probably never would be able to because he's not going to give in to you know, that's his 500 right but those those two i mean are absolutely just electric personalities so i think that would be uh, a must see number four i think just indiana high school basketball as a whole yeah i get some of the greats i mean you look through the decades i was thinking you know uh all the way back to hoosiers obviously right um Milan. but then you have uh, you know oscar robinson george mcginnis mike woodson steve alford uh all the way up until, you know, Greg Oden, Mike Conley. Um, I know that Eric Gordon. I know. I mean, I know there's guys in the 70s, 80s, 90s for people out there who listen. Please feel free to send them that you're just like, how can you forget such and such at 86? Well, I was born in 93, right? You were born in 94. You were born in 94. Cut me some slack. Uh, but I think just even through the But de- we did get called old yesterday. That's true. By, by Don- the legendary Don Fisher. <laughs> we're not, you know, yeah, these kids aren't old guys like us. I was like, hey, hey, I don't know. to differ, buddy. I don't know, Fish. But I think just through the decades, that's absolutely incredible and, and and fascinating the amount of talent that not only has been a legendary in high school basketball legendary in college hoops and all the way up until the pros i think it's got to be made and then lastly the andretti curse Ooh, get a little spooky maybe have keith morrison come in a little uh dateline peacock nbc vibes you know just the fact that we know what it is mario all-time driver 169 Michael never got there. Marco, super close. 2006. I think, I mean, that still breaks my heart. That's something that I can't watch that highlight because Marco was like my first favorite driver. And now being buddies with him, it's like I, he was 19 years old. He had it right there. He, 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 was, he was a straightaway yeah. away. And then getting the pole in 2020. And- yeah. Right. And they just haven't been able to get back. Mm. As legendary and as tied together as the Andretti family is with both IndyCar, the 500, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And the fact that there's only been one of them that has drank the milk. And That'd be a good some one. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Interesting stuff. There. That would be a good one. Yeah. I have one more. Okay. Uh, and this actually was a documentary that was made by me. This was my final college project at Butler. Ooh. But it needs to be made well. It, 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 <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying because this was- What'd you get? Uh, You mean great? Yeah. Uh, no, I got a, I got an A. There but you go. Like, you, you get some film. The documentary creds. was filmed, produced, and edited by me. Like, there needs to be a staff for this. So, at Butler at the time, sports media majors, you had a choice: either your final college project was a long paper written story, or you can make a documentary. Well, my buddy and I we made documentaries, and my documentary was on Wayne, Wayne Gretzky starting his career in Indianapolis. Ooh, and if he did not leave. And I had I'd literally reached out. I did everything I could. I reached out to the Hockey Hall of Fame. I reached out to the Edmonton Oilers. I reached out to even uh, Wayne Gretzky's wine estate in Toronto. Couldn't get a hold of him. And I was a 22-year-old kid. But I interviewed just about every, everybody else. I interviewed um, his teammates here in Indianapolis with the Indianapolis Racers in 1978 and 1979. Interviewed people that worked for the team. I interviewed fans. Interviewed uh, media members. Bob Lamy. He, he, he called Wayne Gretzky at the time. Yep. So, but it needs to be made because 
Wayne Gretzky and three other players were sold from the Indianapolis Racers to the Edmonton Oilers in 1979 for $850,000. And then the Indianapolis Racers folded. But at the time when Wayne Gretzky was playing here in Indianapolis, the Indianapolis Racers were as and if not more popular than the Indiana Pacers. It was that close between the two. Wow. The, the Racers and the Pacers. That And if Wayne Gretzky never left, not only would we have an NHL team here, arguably Indianapolis is a Midwestern hockey city to the level of Nashville or maybe even Chicago. So not only, yeah, I mean, changing the landscape physically. The literally sports changing complexion the of Indianapolis yeah. would be, throw out everything you know about sports here. The Indy Fuel, great team, great story, great owners, cool there at the Coliseum. Mm-hmm. That, that's double-A hockey. We're, we're talking about... Stanley Cup. Stanley Cup's being given out in Indianapolis. Wow. Good on you, man. That's a yeah. fun Yeah, it was project. cool. I mean, the it, fact that... It was fun to do. Hey, here, write this paper... Or do <laughs> yeah. a documentary yeah. where you go interview a bunch of people. and That's awesome. Yeah, it was cool. Is that on YouTube? Yeah, it's on out? YouTube. Wow. I might have to. Yeah, it's called... I, I, anybody, anybody wants to, It's called Indianapolis, the Lost Hockey Town. Wow. Because we really are a lost hockey town. Yeah. Hockey started here in 1939. There was the top minor league team for the Detroit Red Wings. Gordie Howe played here. Ted Lindsay played here. Some of the greats. So, yeah. That's up there with, like, you know, how everybody talks about... Uh, and. Jimmy, you're a Yankees fan. That is true. Yeah, How, the old the old Bambino trade, right? There, uh, Boston sold uh, Babe Ruth over to New York, and look Got what happened Broadway there. Play. Happy for them. I think Great. that Wayne Gretzky uh, Racers should be up there as well. We should talk about that a little bit more. Similar, but yeah, it's just the story that to somebody. BK, it, get yourself in the director chair. I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's just a story that that kind of gets away. Yeah, you know. I'm glad you brought it up. There it is. Love to hear from you. Uh, 317-239-1070 or online. BK Sports, DJ Cook, Joey Molinero on Twitter. Uh, coming up, we got Zach Kiefer at 1 o'clock, Mike Chappell at 2, all things Colts draft, what they're going to do, what the conversations are happening over there off West 56th Street between Chris Ballard, Jim Mercer, what they're hearing and more. That's all coming up next on The Fan. Zach Kiefer coming up at 1 o'clock, Mike Chappell at 2. Colts have a new offensive coordinator, Jim Bob Cooter. Per Tom Pelissero, though, Colts coaching staff might not be sticking together. Bubba Ventrone is going to be interviewing in Cleveland for the Browns' special teams coordinator job. So, maybe Bubba is not sticking there. Yeah. I Joey heard, Molinaro. I heard um, Rick Venturi on with the morning guy, or maybe it was you guys last week. No, it was the morning guys. Uh, Kevin and Query, and I think he said that that's one that you can't let get away. He said Ventrone is in, a lot of people in, like coach, him. And Coach Venturi's words, he said he's going to be a star. Can't let him get away. But I mean, when he gets passed over multiple times, it looks like now for the head coaching position here. I mean, I guess at some point you got to try to find elsewhere. Hmm. That'd be a tough loss. Yeah. It really was. Kevin Bowen on, on 1075thefan.com and his free agency, raking the Colts' 2023 free agents. He has, um, you know, I'm just speaking of special teams, the tie-in there with Ventrone, his top free agent is Chase, Chase McLaughlin. That the Colts should bring back just of the consistency of being able to rely on him when he's done the last couple of years, the field goals from 50 yards plus. Is that a little... Depressing though that the number one free agent you got to bring back is your kicker. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the easy punchlines there, sure. 
but it's important. I mean, you it remember, is important. It, yeah. I mean, how many times, 2018, oh, 2019, 2020, not only Blankenship, but even though he's a legend, Adam Vinatieri, his last year. That was bad. It was horrible. Cost you. That's where Reich really started to lose me a little bit. The fact that he kept bringing <laughs> back Vinatieri. <laughs> it just one after. And like, I, he's a legend, but man, this is a business yeah, I, I think more so than that, I was like, yeah, at least Vinatieri is Vinatieri and done what he's done. I mean, the fact that Blankenship is continuing to be back there kicking when, you know, it's like a 36-yard field goal and he looks like a, a you know, a, a punt pass kick kid. <laughs> that was when I really started questioning things. But Kevin Bowen has uh, Chase McLaughlin, age 26. Yeah, a young guy. Um, top free agent to bring back. You can check that out, 1075thefan.com. Um, so when did, when did Pelissero say that interview is happening? Uh, I don't know if the there's an actual specific time for the interview, but Stephen Holder just tweeted that he has a source that says he thinks, the source, that says Ventron is, is, quote, as good as gone. Those are not good words, Joey Molnar. Tough to come back from that as good tough, as gone. Tough to come back from that. Not many people make their way back around after uh, either them or somebody in their circle uh, makes that quote. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I feel fine about where the coaching staff is. You know, even though <laughs> it's kind of wild that as for the defensive coordinator, you know, Gus Bradley, his defense has biggest comeback in NFL history against them. You're like, oh, yeah, he should come back. <laughs> right. Yeah. But truly, really, he should. Th- there needs to be some sort of familiarity. Sure. On that staff. Yeah. And uh, I think. I mean, you know familiarity more than anybody with who you root for. Uh, tell me about it. Almost too much familiarity. Do you yeah. ever get sick of Tomlin? <sighs> yes and no. I, I, I get. I get tired of the people who absolutely say you can't criticize him because he's never had a lose, losing season. I'm like, uh, he's not. He's a head coach in the NFL. He's in the criticism business. You know, you don't make it to the top right. of the ladder and you're just like, ah, well, you can't be criticized at all when the ultimate goal for every franchise is to be playing early February for a Lombardi trophy. And so when those results don't add up, then I feel like, yeah, there can be some discussion about that. Can you also in one hand say – yeah, it's a heck of a job that he's unsure. But familiarity, uh, to 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 a certain extent, can be a little mind numbing. Can't lie. For sure. <laughs> I don't know. I, at some point, everybody gets stale. Doesn't matter who you are. Yep. You'd be a Hall of Famer. You could be young. You can be old. It, you could be whatever gender. Like it, everybody's voice gets stale at some point. Now I think the question for the 2023 Colts now is with this influx of the focus on the offensive side of the ball. Steichen, Jim Bob Cooter, probably a new quarterback. Does that then put more emphasis on, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I forgot that the defensive side of the ball did allow uh, a huge coming. Now, the offense had a, a, a role in that, sure. But those flaws, those holes that the defense had in 2022 – were kind of covered up by the fact that Matt Ryan was fumbling every other time that he dropped back. You know, yeah. the, the the fact that, you know, the, the they were giving up a sack every other play, right? And so now yeah, maybe be- if they get those, you know, there, there aren't that many holes, that many glaring, holy cow, this is bad on the offensive side, then is it going to flip back over to, oh, wait a second. Th- that This defense was pretty putrid as well. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah, I mean, it got to the point last year offensively where, as you said, either Ryan was fumbling or Ellinger couldn't throw or Nick Foles couldn't move, 
and then you you watch the defense. You're like, oh, all right, we're keeping we, us in it. We only gave up a field goal, you know, like <laughs> we limited them, you know. And then, well, and then people were so frustrated in Saturday. That I think they just wanted the, you know, I don't know. It was just a mess watching that thing. It really was. Just Hell, we mess. just we just got off the documentary segment. You know, indie docs that you want to see. I think at least a mini series on the 2022 Indianapolis Colts could be made with everything that was going on. The I would press just, conference yeah. for Jeff Saturday. The entire Jeff Saturday tenure could all be made into something. I would have just loved to be a fly on the wall in the Ursa suite through the majority of last year i would love to be a fly on the wall when uh jim ursay told chris ballard that he was gonna bring in <laughs> jeff saturday <laughs> there might there might actually be a hole in the door and that's sweet you know it's like what that's 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 what i'm waiting on but i mean yeah this is you see that you get a new you get a new head coach that's what's going to happen there's going to be turnover there's turnover every single year even when you don't get a new head coach right these guys are all i mean you know matt eberflus he was always in head coaching rumors, interviewing for jobs, right? And then takes the Bears job. So even when he didn't have turnover at the head coach, when he's going to want his staff, his guys, it's just something you got to adjust with. That's uh, You bring up Eberflus. We're going to have David Kaplan on the show tomorrow, by the way, at 2 o'clock. Looking forward to talking with Cappy. But uh, I, I wonder if the – because we were talking about Colts at number one to lead off the show. Mm-hmm. Does Matt Eberflus – have any pull when it comes to convincing Ryan Poles like, hey, we should do this and you should get this guy. You know, does that make it easier on the Colts to sell? Does it make it easier if the Colts wanted to sell a Shaq Leonard to get out of either the contract or the injury problems? And if Matt Eberflus was not in Chicago, would it be diff- more difficult to sell a Shaq Leonard because of what he has gone through the last few years? Well, Jim Irsay goes way back with the Bears. So That's true. Yeah, 60 I, years. I'm Look at Park Zoo. Now that you say that. Great zoo. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for the Irsay tweet of him with Matt Eberflus, arm around him. Hey, me and Matt go way back, man. And then it's him and the cold stuff, and it's Jim Irsay. I'm just waiting for it. We're going to have these progressions like we talked about. You have the picture with the bear itself when he's a kid. He's going to throw out something where he's probably with Harry Carey at some point, yep. right? Like at Wrigley Field, you know, Sweet Home they're Chicago. They're just going to Photoshop him next things. to the – They're going to Photoshop him next to the picture of Harry shirtless with a net. Yes. You know? Yeah, that would be a good one. Right, and it would get a lot of engagement on Twitter, and yeah. it would get people stirred up. Right, I so, would love a Jim Irsay pick from the Bean. Oh man, <laughs> would that be sweet? Hey, right here, <laughs> just that baby. Even though uh, New York is copying Chicago, did you see that? I did. New York's getting their own Bean. That's weird. That's that's a very bull. strictly Chicago thing. Is a Chicago native? Is that yeah. make you mad? Well, the, New York always copies us. Uh, well, we'll see. Yeah, Zach Kiefer coming up at one. Especially o'clock. the Yankees. Top of the hour, Zach Kiefer. <laughs> We're talking all things Colts. Don't want to miss it on the fan. It's the Fan Midday Show on a Tuesday, downtown Indianapolis. Sun is out and shining. Joey Molinero, Brendan King, Jimmy Cook with you. And joining us now from the Athletic, you read all of his work. You love it. I certainly do. Zach Kiefer. Zach, um, I want to start with this. If what would surprise you more on draft night? It's nine thirty. You're sitting there. Chris Ballard comes out. Would it surprise you more if he's talking about Anthony Richardson being the selection or the fact that they traded back? Oh my gosh! If they traded back, the city would riot. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know if there would be an Indianapolis for much longer. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, 
I could see I could see both things happening, Joey. Like I could see them trading back and adding maybe a second rounder to and then grabbing Richardson. So it, you know, it kind of kills two birds with one stone. So okay. You get a quarterback, still a bit of a project, a little bit of a flyer, um, but then you also add a second round pick because you know surely the quarterback position is going to get all the attention in the next couple of months. But this team's got more needs than just that. Hey, Zach, it's Brendan, new offensive coordinator, Jim Bob Cooter, passing game coordinator last year with the Jaguars. And, of course, Trevor Lawrence has a breakout season. I think a lot of people attest that, of course, to Doug Peterson. But, look, Jim Bob Cooter was literally the passing game coordinator, so he's got to get some sort of credit. But the work that Trevor Lawrence put on last year, how much did that heighten, I guess, the resume of Jim Bob Cooter to get back in an offensive coordinator spot in here in Indianapolis? Yeah, Brendan, before we get going, I, I got your answer for you. I heard you guys a minute ago talking about uh, your 30 for 30 picks and, and Butler. The answer you're looking for is three inches. That's how close really? Gordon Hayward's shot was. Yeah, I wrote a big story about it. There you go. So we don't need sports ago. science, yeah. You know, it, it, this is going to make it worse for you and all the Butler fans out there, but <laughs> it, it was basically three inches from going in, and if it goes in, it's probably the best basketball story ever. Maybe, ever. maybe right up there in the top, right um, in this city. But um, no, I heard you guys and wanted to chime that in. So close, so close. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jim Bob Cooter is an interesting hire. He was he was one of the rising stars a couple of years ago. And remember, he got his start with the Indianapolis Colts as a very very low level grunt offensive assistant working with Jim Caldwell and Peyton Manning, and then he was hired you know, sort of mid-season to run the offense in Detroit under Jim Caldwell. And then, you know, he stayed for one year under Matt Patricia and then kind of leveled out, flamed out. I don't know how to how else to say it, but he's not super old. But, but I like this hire for a couple of reasons. He's got a lot of experience with really good quarterbacks of different skill sets, a little bit like Shane Steichen, right? He's worked with Peyton Manning late in his career, worked with Matthew Stafford, had some of his best career years with the Lions in those years, despite it being the Lions, right, the inherent mm-hmm. obstacles of that. And then he did some really good things two years ago with Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia with Shane Steichen in this past year with Trevor Lawrence. So everything this, this franchise does, does the next couple of months, everything is about that quarterback. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be, but you can't just draft a guy and hope it works out. you got to draft a guy and surround him in a situation that's going to benefit him. And so many teams have screwed this up the last couple of years. You wonder why so many first-round quarterbacks flame out. It's not just the quarterbacks. It's the situation they're put in. And the Colts need to fix some things before that's all good for this guy when he gets here the first week of May. So I like the hire of Jim Bob Cooter. He's probably a guy that's going to be here for a couple of years, and that's essential to have that stability. But obviously it's going to be Steichen's offense, and Steichen's going to call the plays, and he's going to be tapped with grooming this young quarterback. But um, I like the move, and and again, everything's about the quarterback around here the next couple months. That's Zach Kiefer with us on the Fan Midday Show. Now, so with them bringing in, and I talked about this at the top of the show, Zach, with them bringing in not only Shane Steichen, but but now Jim Bob Cooter as well, does that lend the um, gap for the can't miss in the prospect? You know what I'm saying? Does Does that make it larger to where it isn't? as crazy if it's, say, uh, Anthony Richardson or some would say even a Will Levis? Yeah, I'm not ruling anything out. And, look, for the fans out there that that want answers, they're not going to get one until April 27th. And we're not going to hear anything, anything useful next week at the NFL Combine. Shane Steichen's going to be up there. He's going to be asked a million questions about quarterback. Same with Chris Ballard. They're not going to say anything. I think everything is on the board. I think they're – 
you know, Shane Steichen, from what I understand, hasn't even left his office the last couple of days. He's been trying to put together a staff before the combine, which starts on Monday. And then they need to start digging into these quarterbacks. And a lot of the personnel staff already has, right? I mean, they, you know, Chris Ballard led the coaching search. And then, you know, behind the scenes, these guys are already working on the draft. They were working on it in the fall, obviously. But now February and March are when those really long days start to happen, those 12, 14-hour days. And obviously when you have the fourth pick, it's, it's pretty easy to narrow the pool. I think Richardson's in play. I think Levis is in play. Obviously C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. We know they're not afraid to trade up. If that happens, that could be something that happens in early March. That's when usually those moves start to happen. You want to get a quarterback, excuse me, you want to get a coach in place first. But um, I'm not ruling anything out. I mean, Anthony Richardson, you know, I haven't dug into the tape a lot, but like the physical traits are real and and the quarterback position is changing. And one thing I'll add is this is something Jim Irsay's told me in the recent past and then something he mentioned last week. The allure of a running quarterback is very real for this franchise. You saw what Matt Ryan and Nick Bowles suffered through last year. Um, all those sacks, all those fumbles. Where the league is going is, is that Mahomes-Hurts-type runner. And Ursay sees it as having a 12-on-11 advantage. And that's exactly what he said last week when he was talking about that Jalen Hurts scramble that beat the Colts against the Eagles in November. When you have a runner who's a quarterback, that's essentially like having a, an extra man on the field because you have an extra blocker. So um, I think there's going to be a very interesting debate within 56th Street about where this team's going to go and where the league is going to go and what type of skills you want in that quarterback. So, you know, Levis has the huge arm. Richardson's a great physical prospect. C.J. Stroud is kind of a mix of both. Bryce Young might be the best of all of them, but he's a little small, and that's going to be a debate they're going to have to have. So there's no slam dunk, and that's going to be the interesting part. But I wouldn't believe all the rumors you hear the next couple months. Nothing really matters until they pull the trigger in April. Zach, could you actually envision this front office trading up in this draft, specifically oh, yeah. to number one? Yeah, I could see it. You know, And if they do, if they do, Brendan, you know who's – probably behind that yes probably the owner yes it's the owner who's you know is dog tired of this rent a qb cycle and i think the fans are too i think they're they're tired of, of of grabbing another quarterback off of someone else's scrap heap and and the veteran route is not working out you can't just go get another 35 year old and convince yourself he's got a couple years left i mean they're gonna they're gonna have to eat 18 million dollars to cut matt ryan before march 17th because they moved some money back from his contract last year to this year. And you're, the reason you're going to do that is, is he can't play anymore. And two, um, you thought this was going to be a two-year marriage, and you were wrong. So you're going to have to eat about $18 million. But I just don't see a scenario where Matt Ryan's a bridge quarterback making $35 million a year. So in the meantime, you're going to have to go sign a bridge quarterback, let's just say Gardner Minshew or somebody like that, to sort of give you a little bit of stability while this rookie gets up to speed. Because I don't – necessarily think this rookie is going to be a guy from day one like the past two rookie quarterbacks this team's had and Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning so you know that's what this team needs to work through they're going to have to pay for some of the mistakes of the last couple years but to answer your question they absolutely will move up if they feel like they need to because of who's sitting at number two Houston Texans who are also looking for a quarterback. Zach Kiefer joins us on the Fan Midday Show. Zach you're just about as plugged in if not more plugged in than anybody over there in the Colts complex I gotta know what you think the conversation was how it went between Chris Ballard and Jim Irsay after 
Mr. Say dropped the, I like that Alabama kid, I'll tell you. When they leave the press conference and they're in the hallway or they go break it down in, the, in, in someone's office, how do you think that conversation went? Well, I don't think Ballard can necessarily say anything because, um, <laughs> one, I think he's happy to have his job right now after the way they True. finished, 4-12-1. And, 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 hey, when you're a billionaire and you write the checks, you can say whatever you want. I don't think comments like that necessarily help the Colts' draft position in terms of um, sort of what they're strategizing right now. But, look, this is not the first time the owners kind of said something that the coach of the GM wasn't a huge fan of. I know for a fact that in the past when Ursay would talk up the importance of winning week one, Frank Reich was like, hey, just like dumb it down a little bit. Like, hey, it'd just be nice if we didn't have all this extra pressure heading into week one. But, hey, I mean, Jim Ursay is going to have a say in this decision. He doesn't have a huge say in a lot of draft decisions usually leaves that up to his GM. This is an exception. This is the quarterback spot. Um, he's going to have a say in this one. And I could see him sitting back there in the back of the room with his suit piping up and everybody going silent and him saying, go get him, Chris. And I could see them moving up to go get whoever that is. Um, but it's going to be fascinating because Ballard can't get this wrong. Like, this is, this is the future of this franchise, and this is the decision that will define whether he stays or goes. Does that play into it with the kind of awkwardness that we're at right now with Chris Ballard and, and how, you know, well, some people say he shouldn't be here. Well, he still is here. And now looking at these quarterback prospects, now does that throw out that, well, we can't have a guy that, that you know, has to have a little bit of a process and development. we got to get a guy that's ready now so I can prove, yeah, I should be here for even longer. You know what I mean? Like uh, now we have all these right. aspects happening to where it's like, okay, well, if he traditionally was just going about it, who he thinks should be the pick, maybe that's not the case because, uh, I mean, uh, to be honest, he, some could say that he's lucky to still have a job. Yeah, that's that's the interesting dynamic here is, is it doesn't matter if you think he should have a job or not, he's got the job and he's going to make this pick. And I think Jim Irsay should let his GM make this pick. That's the only way this is going to work out, if, if it does work out. But you're right, they've sort of boxed themselves in, and it's not ideal because they, they kind of have to take a quarterback this year, and they have to take one regardless of if they really, really love one of these guys because they've swung and missed on so many of these guys. Really the reason they're in this spot is because they swung and missed on Carson Wentz. He was supposed to be here for three or four years. You know, He wasn't that old, and we know how that went. That ended very quickly, and they're sort of playing catch-up from that. And, and the reality is for Ballard, you can't take a guy simply because you think he's going to be ready earlier than the others. You've got to take the guy that's going to be here for 10 or 12 years. Like, that's what this team needs. And that's going to make every – if you hit on this guy, you know, that's going to make every single decision you make for the next couple of years a little bit easier, a little bit easier. And if you hit on him, again, he's going to be on a rookie contract, which is going to allow you to do some things – salary cap wise to help him which is really what you got to do you're going to have to pay jt you're going to have to probably pay michael Pittman, depending on what he wants um but those are moves you want to make to make the, the life of your rookie quarterback a little bit easier but this is the fascinating part is is, is the last two times this team was at the top of the draft it was a no-brainer i mean i mean it was i mean you can debate all you want ryan lee's rg3 but this team was taking peyton manning and they were taking andrew luck this is completely different None of these quarterbacks are a slam dunk. They all have flaws. The, the fan base seems completely like 
They can make an, a Will Levis argument. They can make a, a C.J. Stroud argument. There's a Richardson argument out there. I'd like to do a man on the streets like, where you go yeah, at, at, the, <laughs> at the Combine and you ask anybody in a Colts shirt, jersey, hat, who you want the pick to be. I guarantee if you ask 10 people, at least eight of them would be different. Yeah, and, and they would be convinced that they have the right one. Right. They would be convinced, and that's the fun thing. They don't know how this is going to go. Ballard doesn't know how this is going to go. Nobody can really know until this guy gets into the fire. And really, you don't really know if a quarterback's for real until it gets bad, right, until it goes wrong, because it's going to go wrong in the NFL. How does he handle that? And that's the interesting part, because, look, they're going to sit down with these guys for 15 minutes next week at the Combine, sort of this, this rotating thing. And how much can you learn about maybe the future of your franchise in 15 minutes? It's really the pro days, and it's the long, hour-long interviews that they're going to get on site in the coming months that will tell them more. But, you know, this is, this is, that's the art of it. And I've asked Ballard this before. You know, everybody can watch the tape, but how do you know he's a guy? He's a real guy. And, and that's sort of the art of it. And that's going to be the fun part because, like, this is the decision that's going to define his tenure, like I just mentioned. Zach, the conversation that Joey and I were having to open the show, though, at least what I said, was it, it doesn't matter who you pick if the offensive line is going to continue regressing, especially if it regresses as it did last year. So my question to you is, is the offensive line fixable with a new coach? Yeah, I think so. No, that's a totally legit point, and, and, and it's one I've made. Like, It doesn't matter who you draft. If you can't block for them, this is going to be a disaster. Again, now, I certainly think there's some appeal to a guy who can run, like C.J. Stroud. It certainly doesn't hurt that the last game he played in college was his best game against the best team in the country, and he showed some wheels in that game that's going to change things. And, and you guys saw this from Hurts in the Super Bowl as well. It just changes the entire game when the guy can run. And I thought Carson Wentz didn't get quite enough credit in 2021 for the way he avoided sacks and avoided pressure. Now, Carson made things a lot harder than they needed to be by holding onto the ball, but you could start to see the regression then, and then last year it all fell apart with 60 sacks. And it, there was no real chance for any quarterback to play behind that line last year. So I think it's fixable. They need to get this higher right. They absolutely need to get that higher right. And you can certainly scheme for the quarterback and the line um, in a better way than the Colts did last year. I mean, the biggest mistake they made last offseason, I don't think it was Matt Ryan. I think it was Matt Pryor to believe a guy who – openly said he was more comfortable at guard to put him at left tackle to protect for a 37 year old immobile quarterback that's just that's just bad football that's just begging for for a disaster and the disaster happened right away so um you think you got a guy in bernard ryman at left tackle we're gonna see but i wouldn't mind a good signing at right guard to beef up that interior to help Braden smith i think it's fixable i think these guys need to play better but um i wouldn't be stunned if, if there's a new a couple moves along that front that, that change things up a little bit. Zach Kiefer from The Athletic joins us on the Fan Midday Show. Uh, Zach, there's a lot of kind of talk going on around the internet, around the football world that, um, you know, Chris Ballard, you know, he has a history where everybody that's been in his tenure um, with, with Indianapolis, all the quarterbacks been big, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, type of guys. You know, he likes the big, physical type of quarterback. Uh, is that true? Would he be willing to bend for somebody like Bryce Young? Who We had Daniel Jeremiah on from NFL Network yesterday, and, and he said the height doesn't concern him. It's the weight. Would Chris Ballard you know, been to a smaller quarterback, or is he really kind of against a guy that is the size of Bryce Young? 
I certainly think he doesn't prefer it. I certainly think he would be against the idea of that, not sold completely against it. But you'd have to talk him out of it, I think. And you go back to Kenny Moore, like Ballard had a hard rule, and it came from his days in Kansas City. I, I don't sign, I don't add any cornerbacks that are 5'10 or less. And Kenny's 5'9", and, and he's got long arms, and that helps. But like Ballard was like, no, we're not signing this guy. And it took a scout named Kevin Rogers to push him at like midnight of, of cutdown day to be like, you just turn on the tape, just watch this guy. And Kenny, for you know whatever happened this past season, Kenny was one of Ballard's best signings back in 2018, became a pro bowler and, and one of the best slot corners in the league under Matt Eberflus. So Ballard can be very stubborn, and, and we've learned that in free agency. He definitely has a type, right? Like he has a type of corner he wants. He has a type of receiver that he wants. He wants a receiver that's 6'2", 6'3", yep. like Michael Pittman, Traits. like Alec Pierce. And he's got a type at tight end, too, because those guys are enormous skyscraper-type guys in, in Ogletree and Woods and even Moelle Cox. So that's going to be fascinating because if Young is that much better at the position, how much of a concern is his weight and his height? I think his height's a concern. Absolutely. Look how many balls those guys get batted down. The offensive and defensive lines are so much taller in this league. And, and obviously the durability, right, with the weight. Like these guys are going to take shots, especially like Brendan just mentioned, behind an offensive line that gave up 60 freaking sacks last year. Um, so that's a very real thing. And you need guys who can hold up. I mean, Lamar Jackson's as good of a runner at the position as we've seen in the last decade. He finished the last two seasons on injured list because he can't stay on the field. And, and that's a real thing. Like, as good as these guys are at avoiding hits, in this league they're going to come. And this city and this franchise has learned the hard way what happens if you don't protect a young franchise quarterback. So that's a real discussion they need to have. And, and Ballard certainly has a type. And I think it would take a lot to talk him out of that type. Zach, question from the YouTube chat chiming in. They asked, if you think Reggie Wayne stays on as wide receiver coach. Yeah, haven't gotten official word, but my sense is he's going to stay. That's not a done deal. The Colts are obviously working furiously right now to get a coaching staff in place before the combine. But um, my gut feel is that Reggie wants to stay. I don't know if he has much of a relationship or any relationship at all with Shane Steichen, um, but my gut tells me he wants to be back. He signed a two-year deal to come here obviously to coach under Frank Reich. Um, but Reggie really likes his guys. He really likes Pitt. He really likes Alex Pierce. They want him to come back. Um, it, it makes sense on a lot of sides. And I thought Reggie did a pretty good job. Of all the issues this team had last year, I didn't think receiver was at the top of the list. But waiting on official word on that. But they did make a really good hire with Tom Manning to come back and coach the tight ends. He's a really, really sharp coach. I got to go back to what you're saying about Chris Ballard with his stubbornness, uh, you know, about the size of a guy like Bryce Young. Now, something that we've also heard about Will Levis is that he isn't uh, very instinctive. He takes a ton of shots, just doesn't really have a lot of pocket awareness. That's coming from a guy like Daniel Jeremiah who told us. Now, when you look at the two, is Chris Ballard going to value more just straight up the brute physicality size of Will Levis, even though Bryce Young, while not being that same size, has way more and shown more of an ability to keep his eyes downfield, move around in the pocket, have that presence? That's such an interesting question because what do you value more and what is harder to teach, right? So can you teach instincts? Can you teach that ability to just see something before it happens? Like a lot of teams have missed on big picks because of that very thing. But also you can't teach Will Levis' size, right? I mean, I was talking to someone in the league 
a couple of weeks ago, and, and they mentioned he, he plays and looks like Andrew Luck. Now, he's not an Andrew Luck prospect. I mean, Will Levis struggled last season at Kentucky and, and didn't light it up. And, and there were some things happening around him, some coaching changes, but he didn't elevate the program in a way you kind of hope a future face of your franchise would. So, you know, the, the biggest gamble is, is, and I think a lot of teams are going to miss in the next couple of years on quarterbacks because of the likes of, of Josh Allen and because of the likes of Patrick Mahomes. They're going to convince themselves they can draft a guy who doesn't have great accuracy, like Josh Allen at Wyoming, wasn't a great accurate passer, and wasn't in the first couple of years in the NFL. And then he made a jump. That's a very rare jump to see a guy really improve in accuracy. Obviously, Allen has all the physical attributes you need, but I think you're going to see teams take some swings on guys like a Will Levis that may or may not improve in that accuracy department. And you ask any coach in the league, you know, what are the most important things? It's, it's the ability to process down the field, and it's that deep downfield accuracy, that stuff that's really hard to teach. If Bryce Young has that, do you overlook his size? Or since Will Levis has that size, do you overlook his instincts? And obviously coaching plays a big part of this, and, and that's going to be the thing that's going to take a couple of years. But, you know, that's the fascinating part. Because when they make their decision, you know, does C.J. Stroud sort of split the middle? Is he enough of an accurate passer and enough of a physical specimen that you feel good? But that's going to be the fascinating part because I, I always lean towards accuracy, man. Like, if there's some physical limitations, I can probably live with them. But it's really hard to teach that 50% passer to get up to 62% or whatever it is because that – that's the separation in this league. Zach, just like we were talking about with the process of trading up and how that's probably Ursay's call at the end of the day. If he wants it, he'll get, he'll get it. Uh, but let's just say hypothetically, Ballard wants Levis, Ursay wants Young. The Colts draft Young, right? I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think I think he'll I think he'll let the GM make the decision. Now, Ursay's not going to be scouting these guys. He's not going to be going to the combine. He's not going to be going to the pro days and, and then spending four hours with these guys in the interview. I think he lets, for the most part, his GM make the decision. He's always leaned against that, um, except you know some pretty rare circumstances like they were going to draft Andrew Luck. I mean, regardless of of what the other options were. They were going to draft Peyton Manning. Um, I think I think he lets Ballard take head of this. And I don't, I don't necessarily think there's going to be a big disagreement at the end. After all the work they're going to do and all the people they're going to involve, I think they'll pretty much come to a consensus. I think where Ursa could come in is pushing some aggression, right? And that means trading up from four to one or four to two or whatever. Um, that's usually what the owner's done in the past. But – it's going to be fascinating because, as Ursay mentioned last week, I think he has his eyes set on Alabama's Bryce Young. Zach Kiefer from The Athletic with us. Zach, uh, you saw you just posted today what looks like a, a pretty cool um, little, little road map for how Shane Steichen uh, began his process of becoming a head coach, went all the way back into high school. What, uh, what, what can Colts fans uh, find in that article uh, about their new head coach? Yeah, I basically just called up every high school teammate and coach I could find of Shane Steichen's, and it's a fascinating story. I mean, he was he was a toothpick in high school, tall, lanky, but he could throw it, and, and his, his teammates started to see it early. I mean, this was a guy that would skip high school parties and convince his receivers to skip them, too, so they could break into the stadium and throw routes against air, right? I mean, just a football addict from a young age, was trying to get out of his big brother's shadow, did that. They had a really good team. You could just feel and, and hear from these stories that 
this guy was a coach in the making. So um, to really figure out how he landed here right now, coaching this team at 37 years old, it really starts outside of Sacramento about 20 years ago when he was a high school quarterback who was really doubling as the team's OC. So um, a fun sort of read up about where it all started for Shane Steichen because, um, I mean, it's pretty cool that he was throwing to Austin Colley back in high school. You can find that and all of Zach's work on The Athletic. Zach, appreciate the time so much, man, and for the insight. And uh, I know we'll be talking plenty for the next couple of months here leading up to uh, the big decision in April for the Colts. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Zach. That's Zach Kiefer. Man, that's, you know, the more and more. Sorry, when we have to go to break? No. The more and more, um, you know, you think about and you really, really kind of look at the psychology of what Chris Ballard is going to have to do. He's dealing with so many balance acts here with this decision that he's going to have to make. Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> he's got the fan base in one side of the year. He's got the owner in the other side of the year. He's got the rest of the front office. He's got his own thoughts. But just the I fact mean, that, like I said, like if he's looking at between a guy like Will Levis and even a guy like Anthony Richardson and a guy like Bryce Young, if he is adamantly against not having the physical tools that Bryce Young is limited by, more limited by, right? He's not limited by anything, but he, he doesn't have – he's not 6'4". He's not 220 pounds. But his pocket awareness, his pocket presence, his accuracy is all things that you would want from a quarterback. Is how is he going to weigh that decision? How much? Which which one is he going to choose? Which one is he going to fall on between the size and physicality that you naturally come with, and kind of the argument that can be made for Bryce Young that he's just kind of an instinctive, natural pocket awareness type of player. Whew, that's why they pay the big bucks, boys. That's a tough decision. That, that's why it's the big bucks. But Joey, you said it a little bit earlier that. Jeff Saturday literally became the head coach of this team because the owner wanted it. If the owner wants somebody, odds are, in my mind, and and Zach's way more plugged in than me and Zach covers the team every single day, odds are, in my mind, Jim's going to get what he wants. Whether whether or not people agree with him. It does feel like it is kind of almost, from what Zach said, a best of both worlds scenario for Chris Ballard to where it's saying, hey, yes, your owner is going to want you to draft this quarterback. But he's not going to meddle enough to where he's going to tell you who it needs to be. He's just going to say, hey, we need to make sure that it's going to be the guy. So I'm going to give you the resources and the go-ahead and the yes to if you need to trade up four picks and a player to go to number one to get the guy, let's do it. Yeah, Let's be aggressive. Yeah, I I hope so. That that'd be because you see a heartbeat then in the organization. Yeah. You're like, organization's alive, team's back. Show, show us the the fans deserve to be showed something to note that the team is alive because they're after that Saturday stuff. Yeah, dead. Pretty bad. Dead. Pretty bad. That would be interesting. I think I might do that next week. Go just camp out on Georgia Street or outside Lucas Oil Stadium and anybody who comes across in a Colts gear somewhat, just say, who's the pick going to be? What quarterback do you want? Because I really think you could put together a two-minute, at least two-minute compilation that would probably, if you interviewed 20 people, have 18, 17 different answers. I mean, is what's YouTube saying? Like, are they chiming in about who they think? No, there's they? there's Young, there's Stroud. People are talking about Richardson. Adult j- dating chat has entered the YouTube ta- chat, Jimmy, which is always good. Are they trying to hook you up because you're the only I, single man here. Uh, I don't know. It it doesn't look very reliable. 
<laughs> Don't click on any viruses on the, no, on the company. No, computer no. Well, that's saved for JMV later. Okay, yeah. That makes any sense. viruses are being given to John. That makes sense. That's uh, Zach Kiefer from The Athletic. Appreciate him stopping by. A lot of great insight that'll be up on the podcast, of course. The Fan Midday Show on 1075thefan.com. You go to shows, the Fan Midday Show. It'll be there. Can't miss that. Mike Chapel coming up at the top of the hour, 2 o'clock. We're going to re-up on everything, get his thoughts on the offensive line play, who's coming in to fix that, and, of course, the great quarterback debate. That's all coming up next on The Fan. Beautiful day, downtown Indianapolis. 134 on the fans, a fan midday show. Joey Molinaro, Brendan King, Jimmy Cook with you. We just heard from Zach Kiefer. Always love hearing from – they call him Kiefer at all? I went to school with some Kiefers, and we called him Keefe, but they spelled it differently. I don't know. Is that a nickname around here? Or we never. Well, Zach covered Butler mm-hmm. a couple of years when I was going to school. Mm-hmm. We always called him Zach. So <laughs> uh, that is his name. So yeah. that's good. Okay, thanks for clearing that up. Um, yeah, yeah Zach Kiefer podcast no up at uh, Fan Midday Show. Mike Chapel coming up at two o'clock. More Colts draft talk. Spinning the carousel that we're going to continue to do all the way up till April twenty seventh. Chris Ballard has a lot of options to weigh. You know, I like I, I think it would be fun if you could just you know at the combine or if the Colts could somehow just invite them all to their practice uh, facility. And just get these four quarterbacks. Let's just call the yeah those four up top. Stand at the goal line, feet planted there. Launch it. See who can throw. Let's see who can sling this thing the farthest. That's right. what we're picking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe Mr. Ursa has gotten to that point. Who's can run, who can run the fastest? Who can absolutely sling it the most? And uh, that's going to be the selection. That's what John Elway probably would do. All right, whoever's the tallest and can throw it further, uh-huh. I'm picking you. Yep, yeah. yep. That's a good call. Brock, that's a good call. Paxton Lynch. Looking ahead, 2023. It's a, we were talking about this before the show. How the AFC, you know, because Jimmy is living in his glory days over there. The Kansas for City Jimmy. Chiefs fan, very happy for you. It's been a long time coming. I feel like you're nice. trying to paint me as an enemy today. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yes, it is nice. I got my feet up. I'm yeah. curious to see what they do. It's you're where, but every- but but I but in that regard, dues were paid. Dues were definitely paid. We talked about the quarterback list. No one cares about that, but that's why I relate so much to what the Colts are going through now because growing up and going to school and knowing there's. You know, Blue Fridays all the time, right. and and the glory days are here for Colts fans. I feel what they're going through right now, and yes. I know how tough it is. Yes, absolutely. You know, so good on you. Every fan, you know, most fans have paid their dues, and then at some point had it rewarded. You know, and that's everybody is longing to get back to the point that Jimmy currently is. Sure, you have the guy, you have the coach, no matter what. Unless a, a really terrible injury happens early in the season, late in the season, you're going to be there. All right, and we're knocking on. I'm not wishing. I'm just saying, like that. That's the case. Like, you like said speaking it though. It. I don't no, like speaking. I'm not speaking. I'm just saying. Unless it's factual. It's, it's factual. factual. That's the only thing. If Mahomes is standing upright, even on one foot, like we saw, good chance the Chiefs are going to be in the AFC Championship at least. Right? Joey's like, it'd be a real shame, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, we were talking about. You look around the AFC. Mahomes in Kansas City, uh, Burrow and Cincinnati, Allen. And Buffalo, Lawrence now in Jacksonville, Herbert, supreme talent. The Chargers are always going to find a way to mess something up. I feel like they've proven that. Okay, Russell Wilson, who even knows with that guy, right? He's still upset about not having his own office that Sean Payton's taken away. Okay, so I think that's going to be a total dumpster fire in its own right. Okay, hate to see it. Is Lamar Jackson in Baltimore going to figure this thing out? 
They're going to tag him, right? I like, think that's... I've, I've seen a Photoshop picture of Lamar Jackson in every NFL jersey by now. It's like, oh, could Lamar Jackson be a Falcon? Could Lamar Jackson be a commander? Could Lamar Jackson be a Patriot? Like, There's no way at minimum they don't tag him unless they're straight out done with him. But there's, there's no way, right? I, I think there's a chance that he's not the quarterback for the Baltimore I Ravens. I don't come think you can day. ever say. I don't think you can ever say no way in the National Football League. Look, think, uh, stuff's crazy. I there is, and I've had uh, mixed feelings with, with just how talented Lamar is. But I'm I'm making calls regardless who I am, whether I'm the Colts, whether I'm uh, the Jets, really. If you're the Colts, anybody, I mean, I'm I'm thinking about it. The injuries are the only, and that's a big thing, right? It's a massive thing, but he is as polished as any of the prospects that you could draft right now, and he's, he's still relatively young. But he's older than all of them. He and is going to be a lot more expensive. Again, I'm not saying quickly. I would do it, but if he's available, I'm picking up the phone. I'm at least, no, you're, you're at least picking up the phone. I'm not saying do it, but leave no stone unturned with this. There's a difference between a retread. Um, Philip Rivers or Carson Wentz and the dynamic greatness that you've seen from Lamar Jackson when he's healthy, I'd have a hard time not picking up the phone, at least having a conversation if he's available. The Jets I, would do it. I mean, and again, I know they're not the pristine example, but they're a team that needs a quarterback. If you need a quarterback right now and he becomes available, it's not a sure thing the Ravens bring him back. I I don't know. I'm having a conversation. Yeah. The money thing is right too, though. You're right because you don't have the flexibility of rookie contracts like the Bengals have right now for one more year, like the Chiefs had uh, when Mahomes first won in 19. Like, you have that with a rookie deal. That's the trade-off. But yep. you're at least picking up the phone. You're, would you not? That's, I, Am I, I crazy? I, I wouldn't. Really? I would not. Okay. He's missed, I, I think, close to – I mean, he's he's missed close to 18 to 20 games over the last two years. I want to say 15 to 18 games Lamar Jackson has not been able to play for the Ravens in the past two seasons. You've been a lot of Tyler Huntley there in Baltimore, and I know better than anybody. Okay? <laughs> yeah. You the do. Pittsburgh Steelers play in their division. They played Lamar Jackson once since 2020 because of his injuries. And then the fact that he's going to be eyeing well north of $200 million. You pair both of those things, that's ah, a hard pass for me, man. And he's not—he's only getting older, right? And he's not going to age great. It's not like he's going to get healthy and he's going to be like, oh, yeah, this is the way I play. This is going to work out when I'm 32. I think everybody always knew, though, that he was on a more father time clock than your average quarterback. Sure. And if Atlanta wants to make that call, by all means. They're a little desperate. Well, not to say Indianapolis <laughs> is not desperate. Not to say Indianapolis <laughs> is not desperate because they are. But Atlanta, for they were starting Marcus Mariota last year. Mm-hmm. And Desmond Ritter is their only other option. Yeah. So th those are two different levels of being desperate. The Colts just need a guy. Mm -hmm. The Falcons desperately need a star. I I, I mean, I think you look around the AFC, like you said, and I, I think we can kind of start moving Baltimore out of that picture hmm. for now. You now they're 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 a franchise. Is that, that just because you hate them? <laughs> I mean, it definitely has a little, no. <laughs> they're they are a franchise. I'll give that. They are a franchise that is like Pittsburgh, 
to where even if they're not Super Bowl contenders, they're always going to kind of be around, right? Oh, when you when you play them, it's going to be it's not just like a, hey, we're going to chalk that up. They're camping it in, you know. They're like the Jets or the Browns of the world, right? Like they have that kind of culture, that head coach, and that system in place to where even when they're not Super Bowl contenders, they're still going to be fighting for a wild card. You know, may, they're going to be a tough out. Well, plus when you see the Fal- the uh, Ravens play on Sunday Night Football and it's freezing in Baltimore and those uniforms you can see like the exactly. the breath coming out of those helmets so like oh, I don't want to deal with that 100% that's spooky 100% but I think when you're looking at that upper echelon Kansas City Cincinnati until they got to start paying everybody and there's a real interesting thing going on with Buffalo I mean, your guy Nick Wright, Jimmy, he, <laughs> he, he, he made some great points about how you know they've only gone backwards. They're getting farther away from the Super Bowl. In 2020, they make it to Kansas City, get blown out, you know. And then last year, everybody, we had this whole. I never I, that that kind of did that bother you as a Chiefs fan, Jimmy? How they were making out <laughs> that game to be like it was the reincarnation of the Giants Colts greatest game ever played. I mean, like CBS was hyping that thing up for a divisional round game that happened last year, like it was three Super Bowls. Yeah, I mean, it, it bothered me for a number of different reasons. Again, I don't want to get into the weeds of this, but like also Kansas City got the bad end of the coin toss in 18 against Brady. They petitioned the rule to change it. Bills voted against it. More than half the league voted against it. And they woke up two years later and were like, whoa, we have all these all-star quarterbacks. Maybe we should let them both touch. So that, yeah, the whole thing and the, the, the coronation of the Bills being the next, this is their year. And yeah, the field conditions were tough, but you had home field like you wanted. And we talked about it uh, before we went on the air. Lou Amaruno, who still doesn't have a job as a head coach, defensive coordinator for the Bengals, locked him down, held him to 10 points, something I didn't think possible with that team the way they played last year. Yeah, and that's with Stephon Diggs, who apparently has come out he is really starting to put out some you know social media smoke screens there's some rumors flying Stefan Diggs is on his way out of Buffalo right I mean you saw down the stretch in that Cincinnati game in the playoffs Buffalo was just hey Josh Allen you're Josh Allen let's wing it on a hope and a prayer I feel like especially wide receivers getting PO'd in the NFL it's like a winding clock like oh yeah happy uh, sideline arguments, smokescreen, social media, I'm done, conversation with GM, back to happy. 100%. And then, you know, Stefan Diggs will get moved to a new place. Yeah. And then at his yeah. introductory press conference, man, I've been wanting to be here this whole time. Yeah. I can't wait to play with this quarterback, right? And it's just that cycle continues. And That's pretty much go. how it is playing with LeBron. You go play LeBron, you, you, yeah. you, you get mad, you go somewhere else, and then... <laughs> right. Yeah. So my point, my point being is that, you know, that's how quickly the NFL changes is that, yeah, you can look at it and everybody wants to, Tony Romo especially, you know, oh, you know, Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, right? Mahomes, Burrow, Allen. But <laughs> that 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 doesn't stay the case for five, seven years, right? Because Cincinnati is going to have to start – their guys are going to start walking. They're going to get plucked by head coaches. They're going to have to start paying, hey, do we throw, uh, you know, $100 million or whatever at T. Higgins? We're going to have to do that with Jamar Chase. We're going to have to literally sign over the deed to the city to Joe Burrow. You know, so some decisions are going to have to be made. So it's like, yeah, everybody could talk about Cincinnati always being there. Everybody can talk about Buffalo always being there. But I think just like Baltimore, that was Baltimore the case when they when Lamar Jackson was the MVP in 2019. Baltimore is here to stay. 
this is a team that's got this electric player. They're here to stay. They're going to be Super Bowl contenders year in and year. Watch out. Where are they right now? So, again, that's how quickly it could change yeah. in the NFL. We're three years from now. The Colts hit on the quarterback that they're going to get at four, at five, at one, at two, whatever it is coming up in April. Three years from now, I don't think it's crazy to say whether it's Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, or Will Levis, that they could be in that conversation because that's just how quickly the cycle of the NFL moves. Oh, so fast. I mean, the window of life in the NFL for the average player, probably less than two years. Oh, yeah. Right? But that's and, what, and that's sports in general. The The window to succeed for a baseball player, you, that might be 50 games for your average guy. There are very few superstars in the grand scheme of things in sports. There's a lot of average. There's a lot of basic. There's a lot of fill-in. Yep. And, and if you don't take advantage of your life cycle, odds are you're not getting that back and you're not getting another shot. But uh, as a Steelers guy, Right, I've had to live the past two years to where you know Cincinnati fans are finally on top and they're finally feeling themselves enough to where they can beat their chest. This is our time. This is how long we're going to be here. Get used to it for the next fifteen years. You're quick to say that now. Oh, it, that's what fans do, though. No, I'm just saying everyone's I, quick to say that now. Two years from now, let's see if that iron's hot because you didn't strike. That's what you were close, but you didn't. Imagine how cocky you and I would be if the Cubs got a second World Series. But okay. You know what I'm saying? No, I know, but uh, 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 again, I'm just speaking to the we people. We would be who, repulsive to people. Uh, but, One was already enough. But to the people who live in that time where they say, because you know why we could be? Because they got it done. Because they yeah. won the title. Jimmy can be cocky over there because the Chiefs have won two in five Wish years. to clarify, this has been poorly portrayed for me uh, off the air. I've been saying that I'm in the same boat as Joey. I'm the hey, rational you're fan the that, short end of the that stick realizes. Here how close and tight these windows are. There, nothing is guaranteed in this league. No. Zero. And I'm not... Absolutely nothing. I know you're not. I'm, I, I know, I'm I know Jimmy a hard time. time. I'm not opinion, opinion on anything because... But what I'm saying is that... I'm you're not, not the this Bengals way. caricature that you, because I understand. Right. You could be that I'm way, rational. Like, oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> five AFC absolutely. championships is five years. Two and four years, Two and four absolutely. years. Absolutely. You could be absolutely. because you did it. Yep. It's the Buffaloes. <laughs> it's the Cincinnati's. It's the Baltimore's who wanted to crown themselves yeah. because they got close. And the Colts are just trying to get And the Colts are the just trying to get back into the conversation. Yep. But to wrap it up, that conversation could be quicker than we all imagine, and hopefully it is, because that's how fast it happens in the NFL. Three years ago, Doug Peterson's the coach of Philadelphia. Carson Wentz is the quarterback. What the heck happened to this team? They just won the Super Bowl two years ago. They completely clean house. They revamp the roster, get a new head coach in there, get the right offensive coordinator, take a chance on a guy like Jalen Hurts, and bada-boom, 14-3 and three back in the Super Bowl. That's how quick it happens. Brandon King's telling me I got to get to break. This is what I'm talking about, YouTube. I get a little fired up. I'm glad you're with us. That's why we're here. And we're, we got- <laughs> we're, I, I'm, you know, I'm like the co-pilot here. Just telling you. Well, just today. What, yeah. Just today. You were the pilot yesterday. Well, I'm no, I'm saying today. we're, yeah, no, I'm just, you know, helping with breaks. I appreciate it. I got, you know, so I'm got saying, you know, the co-pilot bit. helps the pilot. We start talking, land the plane. We start talking about the Bengals. And I get yeah, Joey's there. landing the plane. All right, Mike Chabell coming up at 2 o'clock. Got plenty more uh, Colts conversation, draft talk, what his thoughts are and what's going to happen in April and just really everything that's going on over at West 56th Street. Don't go anywhere. It's a fan midday show. Jimmy Cook with a subtle uh, nod to the discussion throughout today. Uh, Bruce Springsteen born to run. That's the Colts offense in 2023. Anthony Richardson, Jonathan Taylor. Maybe they're ready to make it happen. Fan midday show. We got uh, Mike Chappell coming up at 2 o'clock. 
The Hoosiers are traveling north tonight, Brennan and Jimmy. They're uh, going up to Michigan State to play the Spartans for a late tip, 9 o'clock. Uh, talked with Don Fisher yesterday uh, about all things Indiana basketball. Jimmy's walking away right now, but I, I, I'm interested. Those 9 o'clock tips, because I didn't, yeah. you know, Purdue rarely has them. I went to school where, you know, the Division two school, that didn't happen. What are those like? You know, when Butler was having the, the biggie, or, or, or like tonight, Jimmy, when you're down in Bloomington, is Kilroy's going crazy on a Tuesday? Is what, What's the scene like for Indiana students, Indiana fans down there for a late tip in February? I mean, time isn't linear in college. So, yeah, you're still you're still rolling at Roy's. You're, you're hitting up Knicks, and, and if it's a victory, you're going to waddle your way to sports at some point in time. Yeah, I mean, it's still, still the same electric atmosphere for any game at Assembly Hall, regardless of what the tip is. I got to be honest – the further you get away from it, and Joe, you're the one that can speak to this the most since I'm you have 30. an offspring yeah. and, and you're almost 30. That's true. <laughs> but, yeah. but we're there. We're all there. Uh, you just 29, call 28, 28. I, I, I'm giving him another old compliment. There yeah. you go. For, for taking those me. compliments. Do it. Uh, Nine o'clock tips are sometimes rough. Not as bad as in the NBA, though. College, you, you, you're usually in bed by still 1130, 1145. Yeah. NBA, it, it can be it can be a, a drag. But sure. uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm still as hyped for this. It, it's a big showdown between Indiana and a Sparty team that's still in contention, still in the thick of things, one of the buys in the Big Ten. Tom Izzo still one of the best to ever do it. It'll be a wild atmosphere and yeah. looking forward to it. My problem with 9 o'clock tips is they're always on a Tuesday or Wednesday. And you just... that's they su- are. That's right. such a disservice. And I realize the school doesn't come up with it, but that's a conference problem. That's a TV problem. They got it. That that's and the such a dis- yeah, that's such a disservice yeah. to people with families and kids. Like there, there was a Hinkle nine o'clock tip a few weeks ago. I think Butler played DePaul, and I was there. And like, no blame to Butler and Hinkle Fieldhouse at all, but the place was dead hmm. because who's going to bring their fourth grader to a nine o'clock game on a Wednesday? Oh, no man. shot. And I then, love I love nine o'clock games as a as a as a high school and grade school student though because my dad oh, would you, take me and so it's like oh we're getting to stay up late oh, oh man it's, I, I would love to but stay you're up right late, majority but still, of people yeah it's tough no. and and then secondly Vince Welch and I had Matt Painter on this show about a month ago and like Matt Painter said like nothing about the process changes with nine o'clock tips other when other than when you eat and nap but think about the road team I mean you're truly getting back at three o'clock in the morning depending on where you are you know if Butler plays a Nine o'clock game in Creighton at Creighton in Omaha. You're not getting back to Indy until three, four in the morning, five in the morning. Yeah, it's tough, and it's tough. You know, not even for the college kids because it's like imagine you know a Thursday tip off at nine o'clock. Who cares? Tuesday, like Jimmy said, yeah, the it's kids not, don't show up. It's it's linear, you know. So it, it's on linear. So it, it could you know it, Tuesday night nine o'clock. Who you know they're going out, they're doing whatever. But you know for those folks who just graduated. You know, the recent grads, the us's of the world. Oh, uh, we're still recent grads. Well, I think so. Okay. Well, if it's like, That's you good. know, in 2013, you know, if it's a, a, a Thursday night, nine o'clock tip, then you're like, yeah, get together with the boys for at least a first half. Have some, have yeah, some, Thursday nights back in the day. Howl at the moon. It's a thirsty Thursday, to, baby. Let's go. You ever go to Howl on, on Thursday nights? Are you kidding me? I'm just making sure. I lived there. Yeah, same. <laughs> Dollar beers on a Thursday? It was a Thursday track. You had, um, you start at Wild Beaver. Correct. 50 cent trays. Yeah. And then you go back to Wild Beaver. F- after, sorry. Five dollar trays, yeah. 50 cent beers. Yes. Do a little karaoke maybe. Yeah. Work your way down to Howl at the Moon. Dollar beers there. Then you make your way down to Tiki Bob's, which isn't with us anymore. Unfortunate. 
And then from there, you'd work your way back up. You go to Kilroy's, get some breadsticks. That was a Thursday night track, baby. Could we play some like Sarah McLaughlin? Arms of the Angel for Tiki Bobs. Pour one out. Man. Fly away. We used to have a code. And uh, my shout out my great friend Dylan Evans. He used to just text me and say, I got palm trees in my eyes. And that meant we're going to Tiki Bobs. Because <laughs> those palm trees that were in the logo and that were inside <laughs> that place. So, I know, hey, Jimmy, you got to be. I love a good Tiki Bobs night. You know, you got to be down in Bloomington experience and you know, the, the big time college campus and everything. For us folks here in Indy, that I, was I, I our I love track. an Indy bar crawl, man. I'm not. There's no judgment here whatsoever. I'm glad. So, what bar in town takes over for Tiki Bobs? I think walk on. Uh, no, walk ons is going in um, Taps I mean, and Dolls. What's going to be the spot, though? Because Tiki Bob's was the end of the night spot. Well, it progresses. You, you evolve with time, right? So now for yeah. our age, people, Rathskeller has taken over. Skeller, I'm a big Bottleworks fan. Bottleworks yep, that's area. becoming cooler. Yep. But like the college, you know, think of put yourself in the mind of a college kid since we're so young yep. that, you know, if Tiki Bob's is an option, where are you going? I mean, Brothers has kind of monopolized the whole South yeah, Meridian I don't know. scene. Tiki Bob's just has that flair to it. it had that, yeah. mm. It's been a really tough go. They got rid of Ike and Jonesy's. They got rid of Tiki Bob's. Um, it's a tough... For, for that era of, you know, the 2014, 2015, 2016 downtown dwellers, it's, that's the end a, of an it's era. a rough. It's a very, very sad time, end of an era. What about a tin roof? Tin roof guy? Love tin roof. Yeah. Yeah, tin roof is like, if you're going downtown now for our age, you hit a little tin roof action, but usually you go on Mass Ave, you're hitting the Rathskeller, especially the sun coming out, oh, everybody's I mean, out in the beer in the garden. Summer. Right. Yeah. It's Skeller great in stuff. the summer. Love yep. it. Even the spring. All right. Even now I'm all fired up. Mike Chappell coming up next, uh, top of the hour, all things Colts drafts. He's, would he take Anthony Richardson? We're going to ask him. That's next on Fan Midday Show. That is Mike Chappell's music. Two o'clock. DriveHubler.com studio. 93.5107.5 The Fan. It's the Fan Midday Show. Brendan King with Joey Molinaro and Jimmy Cook. We are hanging with you here to begin the week. We're back with you tomorrow as well. And joining us now on the hotline is our guy, Mike Chappell, to talk all things Indianapolis Colts. Hey, Chap, let me start with this. We were talking with Zach Kiefer at the top of the 1 o'clock hour, but your thoughts on Jim Bob Cooter becoming the offensive coordinator for the Colts and what combination him and Shane Steichen will be from a play-calling perspective. Yeah, interesting. I mean, really, again, he's been – he was here, what, three years during the last three years of the Manning era as an assistant. So he, he knows at least – how things are run here, of course, it's a totally different operation now. But 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 he and he and Steichen have a short history. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. And and he's and he's been a, a coordinator before. It's, it's funny. He, he, he you start doing research, and he was a coordinator where at uh, Cincinnati University of Cincinnati for like a month or whatever it was. How these guys get a job, and then something better comes along. So I, I I'm encouraged. I, I try not to get too, except for the head coach, I try not to get too excited or whatever until I see who the quarterback is. I, I, I've got blinders on, and and until I know that they've got a quarterback in place that has a chance, I, I don't, you know, yes, it's great to have the right coaches in place, it is, but if you don't surround, get the right quarterback and surround him with the right with enough skilled people, it's really tough to, to succeed. But I'm encouraged, but we'll see how it goes. We've, we've always it's, – it's funny, whenever we go through these coaching cycles, you know, they'll bring in this wide receiver coach or that wide receiver coach, and, well, you know, he's really good about routes and this, that, and the other, and, and then it doesn't work. Well, last year with Reggie, it really worked. Uh, the receiver room, 
I just want to see how this team plays out. And as far as the offense goes, let me know who the quarterback is, and then I'll really have a better feel on how these uh, coaches are going to be. Mike Chapel joins us on the Fan Midday Show. And, Mike, that's where I want to you know get your thoughts next is right here on February 21st. You had to say, you know, Chris Ballard, Jim Mersey. You know, who is Chris Ballard leaning towards right now? Who do you think he likes out of this drafted quarterback? And who do you think Jim Mersey? I know we had the comment about Bryce Young. Who do you think he is 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 liking, and, and are they coming together on something, do you think? Well, they'll come together on it, but one thing, you just have to wonder whether whether or not you, you believe the owner or was he throwing smoke. He's been known to do both. <laughs> Generally more smoke. than. But, but what's not to like about Bryce Young, except for, you know, his size? Uh, but, but anyone, I tell you, one thing I've learned over the years, even going back to the Bill Pullen years, is, when some when I see something on the internet or on social media that sources tell them that Bill Pauline or, or Chris Ballard prefers this or that, it's BS. Because there's not a chance that Chris Ballard and his group is going to do their months and months and months of homework and settle on whomever that is Bryce Young or Levis or or, or Stroud whomever and and, and it leak out. We're not going to do it. It's counterproductive. But you just, again, again and there's there's so many, there, there's these guys all have different attributes with Bryce Young having everything except the size. I mean, strong enough arm. He can, he can move, great accuracy, great decision making. Levis has got the prototypical, you know, physical attributes as far as the arm and all this. And Stroud's got, you know, Playing at a high level for Ohio State, and then Nancy Richardson is such a, such to me such an unknown from what I've seen. So, it, it, again, we'll see how all, all that matters. It, it doesn't matter how the Mel Kuypers and Todd McShays and everyone else has these quarterbacks, you know, analyzed and, and aligned. It's how the Colts do it, you know. And we've talked. If there's one guy they really, really believe is the guy, you move heaven and earth to, to move to number one to get him. But what, what if they think that all four of these guys are throw them in a hat and whichever one you get, you know, okay, fine. Then maybe you stay at four, which I don't think they do. If I'm Chris Ballard, I'm going to make every every effort I can to get the guy that I want. And the only way you do that is moving to number one. Chep, does the track record, though, of Steichen being able to develop quarterbacks maybe give – Ballard and company a little bit of wiggle room in what they do because obviously they feel confident enough that this guy can develop whoever they pick so maybe they shouldn't have to feel handcuffed to get one particular guy well yeah as long as it's not a a four-year development process it's got to be a guy that that you can see can very clearly be you know a franchise type guy and I'm not talking necessarily Patrick Mahomes although that'd be nice (laughs) <laughs> but get a guy that can be that top 10, top 12 quarterback and do what needs to be done, make the plays when you need to make it and make players around you better. That doesn't necessarily have to be Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes, but it needs to be better than what they've had here with all due respect. So it's got, it's got to be a plus. And I think that's why, as we talked before, how it was really important, I thought, to bring in a, a guy with an offensive background and a, a resume of of having worked with young quarterbacks, although Philip Rivers certainly wasn't young, <laughs> but with Justin Herbert and 
in Hertz. So, so yeah, so, but so whoever whoever that guy's going to be, this Steichen's going to have his hands all over him, and he's got to develop him. But it's got to be a guy in my mind that it can sort of be like Hertz to where, in that second year, he sort of you found out who he really is. So, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's never a bad thing. And again, Jim Bob Cooter's worked with you know a lot of great quarterbacks. You know, they, they were we, we saw Trevor Lawrence. Go, you know, skyrocket last year. You know, yes, that was Doug Peterson's influence. Of course, it was, but it was also Jim Bob Cooter. So they've got the right people in places in place now. They've got to get the right quarterback in place. Mike Chapel joins us in the fan, and I look to my left up here in the screens we have in the studio, Mike, and they're talking about how uh, the future of Lamar Jackson remains uncertain. Is there any chance a phone call at all is made to just kick the tires? Boy, I, I assume that the way these guys work, you, you you sit in the personnel rooms and you you what if everything. I mean, you just have to. That's what you do. But boy, I just gosh, what it would take, what at least at least two first round picks, and and, and maybe more. Although the, the 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 franchise tag is two first round picks, but you know, oh by the way, then it's going to be. What two hundred and thirty, two hundred and forty million dollars guaranteed? Right. I, given my druthers, if I could get a guy in the draft and get him on a rookie contract for four years, then the fifth year gets kind of expensive. But you know, it's the same thing about Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I saw somebody put out there that a a, a top landing spot for Daniel Jones is Indy. <laughs> I just, oh man, I, I've not been a <laughs> Daniel Jones fan. I just haven't. I. <laughs> Please no, David. You know Derek Carr. I no, we've we've done that route. Right, right, although Derek Carr would be would be the best option of all the guys that they that they've gone through the last five years. But it, it's time to get the young guy. It just is for all, for so many reasons. Uh, as long as as long as the guy can play, you don't you don't get a rookie just and say, well, now we got a rookie on a rookie contract. He's got to be a guy that. You can build around similar to Manning and, and Luck, although you're not going to get that level of quarterback. But it, you, you just, you know, I remember talking to Jim Ursay last year, and you know they, they went the route they went with the veterans for a reason. They did, and it didn't work out. And he said, "We've got to stop this. We've got to get the young guy, get our guy, and develop him." And that's that's really what they need to do. Chap, over to another coaching staff question. Tom Pelissero from the NFL Network saying first that the Browns requesting to interview Bubba Ventrone for their special team spot. And I know special teams kind of sometimes gets lost in translation. It's not a very sexy topic among those talking about football. But you know, if Bubba Ventrone leaves Indianapolis and you could have had him back, how big of a loss is that? Well, to so say you could have had him back, this might be Bubba's decision and I don't know all the things behind the scenes but the Colts have to give permission just because the team requests permission doesn't mean you're granted it's under contract but I'm sure the Colts I've been told they're trying to work things out whatever that means but given their druthers they'd keep him he, he, he's one of the most valued coaches over the last five years and now whether he was a little bit irritated he didn't get the interim job, I don't know. But, you know, if they can work something out, they'd like to keep him here. But if Bubba sort of says, no, nah, you know, I really like my time here, but I, I, I want a chance to go somewhere else, 
although I think the Colts, again, could keep him because he's in a contract. I'm not sure how, how how good it would be to keep someone, force a guy to stay on your staff. So if they can't come to some kind of an agreement, uh, there, there's a very good chance that Bubba leaves, and it would be a major loss to him. Mike Chappell joins us, and, and Mike, we were talking with Zach Kiefer a little bit earlier, and he was talking about how, yeah, all the all the noise is going to get to the quarterback selection, um, but there are a lot of holes on this roster in your mind. Once that pick is made, whether it's fourth pick, first pick, where does Chris Ballard turn to next, the immediate draft need for this roster? Well, before the draft, you've got free agency. And how many of your 20 free agents are you going to keep? Mm. So it's sort of the dominoes, head coach, coordinator, uh, although the draft, again, the draft is later, and in free agency, and you got 20 of your own. And then at some point you've got, are you going to extend Michael Pittman and, and or Jonathan Taylor? But it would seem like you're going to want to decide which of your own free agents you're going to go after and which ones on the market maybe that Shane Steichen – has a history with. I, I haven't looked really at Philadelphia's free agency otherwise, and you know they've got a bunch. that they got more significant free agents than the Colts do, but do you want to re-sign Ngakwe, uh, Bobby O'Karake, EJ Speed, Chase McLaughlin? So that, that would be the next step before you get to the draft, and you really need to, you know, if you, if you don't re-sign Ngakwe, then who's your primary pass rusher? Is, is it Quiddy Pay? You sort of see stuff from him, but not the the twelve, fourteen sack a season type of thing. So, and they've got to you, you got to keep your your receiver. You know, Paris Campbell's a free agent. What do you do with him? So, and it's funny. I've seen some things lately about where do you trade Jonathan Taylor because he's a running back. Well, I understand that, but boy, if I'm bringing in a a rookie quarterback, which they are, to get rid of key people around him, skilled people around him, Jonathan Taylor or Michael Pittman or even Paris Campbell. I don't want to handcuff my young quarterback by getting rid of top-tier talent as a Taylor. And not, not that they're, you know, I, I don't know how much there is to that. That's probably just social media speak. But I, I just think they need to decide how they're going to make this environment the, the best opportunity for a young quarterback to succeed skill players, offensive line, I mean, left tackle, right guard, you've got to get that those things settled. So it's it's just there's always something else to do. And just when you think you've taken care of one thing, well, then what are we doing about this? So this is going to be a busy offseason and really a major offseason, as we've said in the last three or four years, to get this franchise turned around. It's what is it? They've no playoffs in six of the last eight years. That's unacceptable. Chap, two of the names you mentioned when you're going over the free agents were EJ Speed and Bobby Okereke. I'm as big of an Okereke fan as I think there is, at least at this station, but I think it's imperative you bring him back based off what he did and the injury problems that Shaq Leonard has faced. But have they become too valuable, both Speed and Okereke, in their own right, where the Colts could afford to bring them both back? Oh, I think you bring one of them back. And I. If I were guessing, I'd say it was EJ Speed because of cost. I think he's going to cost you less. Uh, and, and it's not to diminish Okereke at all. I remember when they, they it came time to to sign or not sign Anthony Walker. Great yeah. player. High-volume player, but 
you just you, you just can't invest that much in that position when you've got Shaq Leonard and and boy, I tell you, before I make a lot of moves with with my linebackers, I'd like to have some as much of an assurance as I could at this time of year on where Shaq Leonard is. You know, what are we three months out? Not quite four months out from his surgery. You know, I would hope that you've got some idea where he is physically. Is he getting all those nerves firing and and the strength back in the leg? Or you know, are, are you as sure as you can be? He's going to be back to where he was, you know, before the before the injury. But they, they've done a good job of, of drafting linebackers. They really have. And you, I mean, Zaire Franklin for crying yeah. out a seventh round pick. But I, I don't know that they can afford Okereke. I think he'll find a bigger market out there, Chicago maybe. I mean, you know, it's, it's a short drive to Chicago. And, and I think he really would like to get back with, with Iberfruz. But it, like I say, there, it's, it's, there's just a lot of moving parts. I think they're like roughly 12 or $13 million under the cap, which sounds okay, but it's not really. And you can make the cap. Do whatever you want. You you can, but you know when you can you can create another seventeen million by getting rid of Matt Ryan, which they'll probably do. Uh, I, I think you can if if you do something with Kenny Moore, you can create another six or seven million dollars. And and Kenny Moore has been a great player here, just didn't seem to be a great fit for Gus Bradley's defense. Was a great deep was a great fit with Eberfluss. So there's a lot of moving parts that they got to do, and it's kind of like, you know, you, you got to kind of keep your fingers on all of them, but there are priorities about when you really have to do something. So you know, get this coaching staff in place, and then kind of align your free agents because Shane Steichen needs to get kind of get up to speed on who these players are that they that they're considering signing or not signing, and you know he needs a he needs time to kind of go over things and evaluate on his own. But it's a busy time for the next, uh, I don't know, couple of months. Mike Chappell with us on the Fan Midday Show. And there's a lot of connections, like you mentioned, uh, with Chicago here, Matt Eberflus up there. Is there any chance um, that you see a world where a Shaq Leonard could be a part of a trade package to go up to get the number one pick? Oh, I uh, him I don't know. No, if he's going to come back and be the player he was, I'd say no. Because he did make a difference. I realized the defense was pretty good last year until it just simply wore down. It didn't really get to takeaways. I mean, anything's possible. You know, I've even seen people say, well, trade, you know, put DeForest Buckner in there because Flus really was high on, on what he provided his defense. So, you know, anything's possible. Uh, and one thing that people need to keep in mind is, the Colts aren't the only team that are going to move up to number one yep. with the Bears. I mean, Houston might want to. You know, they're at two, and they've got better draft capital to put in a package. Carolina might want to move up there. Whether or not the Bears want to move back to where's Carolina, was it six or nine, whatever it is, they might want to not move it that far back. But it's going to be expensive to go back up to one. But if you're convinced that that guy is, is the guy, you know, you, you kind of do it because, you know, wherever this team goes in the next six to eight years, well, it could well depend on who that quarterback is. Probably does depend on who that quarterback is. Yeah, and, and Chap, this is a conversation that has been had around here for a matter of months now. And 
what could the Colts offer for for that number one overall pick? And you know, there's not a whole lot of teams out there maybe that have the wherewithal or do with all to be able to toss in a star player like a Buckner or a Leonard or somebody else so willingly. So uh, can the Colts kind of identify that and put together a better package than others just because they're willing to shed a player or two? Yeah, but then you need to keep in mind, too, with a, with a Buckner and a Leonard, that team that they go to has got to be able to handle their contract. Right. You know, Quentin Nelson, Quentin Nelson. You know, but you, then you've got to be able to deal – with that guy's contract, Jonathan Taylor wouldn't be a big deal because he's still on that rookie deal. But, and again, the, the, the really difficult thing that they need to decide is is the value, I guess long-term, whatever long-term in the NFL means, let's say three or four years, uh, long-term for Jonathan Taylor to Michael Pittman, a receiver and a running back. You know, Do, do you view Michael Pittman as a top I don't know, twelve or fifteen receiver. You know, we've seen we've seen two teams get rid of receivers: AJ Barreno, Tennessee, and Baltimore. So, and we saw we saw Tennessee probably crying when they saw how well AJ Brown played. But you know, philosophically, do you do you believe it's 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 there's merit in investing what it takes to keep Jonathan Taylor for a three or two or three year contract after next year? Or Michael Pittman, so I, I wouldn't want to be. It's easy to speculate, but it's it's up to Ballard and Sykin and, and their their personnel people how you want to build this roster. And we've all kind of complained about the lack of uh, commitment, I guess, to receivers. Now I realize they they, they spent like three second round picks, but as far as free agents and bringing in a guy, the high end guy. They've not done that, and I understand not spending $20 million for a receiver, but they've had some opportunities to get that next-level guy that they really haven't done. Uh, and we'll see if that changes with Steichen. They, you know, Philly's been, except for this year, they've got a lot of stuff done with with, with not, not the overriding number one receiver. They really spread things out, same with the running attack. So this is just a different group that Steichen's had to work with, and I'm curious to see how all this comes together. Mike Chappell, one of the best covering the Colts and giving us all the info we need as we are on the march to April. And the Colts will be meeting all those guys, their options at the NFL Combine here soon. Chappie, appreciate the time as always. Thank you. Stay in touch, guys. Mike Chappell taking some time on the hotline. Brendan King, Joey Molinaro, and Jimmy Cook. Last half hour or so on a Tuesday, we're coming back on the fan next. Chris Ballard, Jim Mercy, the Colts brass, going to have to be figuring out what they like about a few different quarterback options coming up here. The next couple of months, we've been talking about it all day long here on the fan midday show. Brendan King, Joey Molinaro, Jimmy Cook. We've had Zach Kiefer in the 1 o'clock hour. Mike Chappell just wrapped up with him. Both of those available on the Fan Midday Show page on 1075thefan.com. Up on the podcast page as well. Don't want to miss those conversations. And Brendan, from Mike Chappell's perspective, when he's talking about what... You know, he brought up an interesting point about how you know we forget. It's not just a 1-2 tango here with the Colts and the Bears. You've brought it up the past couple of days. There are a whole lot of organizations, teams, coaches, owners 
who are going to have their eyes set on one guy, maybe multiple guys, and are going to want to do anything they can to get ahead of Houston, to get ahead of Indianapolis, and snag that top pick from Chicago. Well, you described the wild, wild west yesterday in terms of NIL and college sports, but, I mean, this is the wild, wild west of the NFL draft. I mean, when's the last time that five, six, seven, eight, nine teams truly had aspirations to trade up for the number one pick? I mean, the number one pick has been traded so few times, but there you could go to market to market and be like, yeah, you, you could probably see that team trading up. You could probably vouch for this team trading up because that's how desperately a handful of those teams need a quarterback in this league. Yeah. And think about, too, I just now was realizing that anybody who trades up, you know, I don't think that there is just that consensus Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning at the top, that no matter what, right. you know what I mean? I mean, like, and yes, you have those conversations with Ryan Leaf and Rob Griffin III, it's all those worked out. But you know, at those drafts, it was like, yeah, you're going up and you're trying to get that guy. If Carolina, if the Colts, if a, a variety of the, uh, uh, Las Vegas – you know, if they try to pack it up to trade up to number one, just like how we were talking about whether you ask 10 different Colts fans who they would want to take at quarterback, I think you could get a bunch of different answers for who the number one pick would be depending on what team it is who's picking there, who the coach is, what their preference is as a quarterback. I mean, there could be a lot of different options for who could go number one. Absolutely. And I'm eager to see what this quarterback class ends up being because – how many studs are going to be? How many busts are there going to be? Is it going to be a class where it's a lot of really good and not elite? You know, for example, Sam Darnold's class. Huh? You know, yeah. there was Baker Mayfield, there was Sam Darnold, there was Josh Allen, there was Josh Rosen. Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Lamar Jackson. I mean, the ebbs and flows of that class. Yep. I mean, you had busts, you had stars, you had elitism, you've had um, you know, tra- Baker Mayfield, now, now a Ram. It's all over the place. Four in the top ten. Two could make the argument that weren't busts. Two, definitely more. One, definitely a bust. One, more towards that way probably is. Definitely is Sam Darnold. Baker Mayfield, you know, an absolute dumpster fire of an organization that Cleveland is. Takes him to the playoffs. Has him at least relevant, right? Places that they haven't been. And then we all know what's happened with Josh Allen. But yeah, it's kind of going to be, you know, unless you have that. That's why there's 30 for 30s made on the 1984 NFL draft and the what could be the two, or is it 83? I think it was 83. The 1983 NFL draft and what could be the 2004 NFL draft where you have Elway, Marino, Kelly, Roethlisberger, Manning, Rivers, right? Because more often than not, if even if there is three to five guys who go in the first round, you have one guy that hits. And one guy that'd be kind of like a Baker Mayfield. And just hopefully you're not one of the three other ones. Yeah, and the, and that's where the mystery of a Richardson or a Levis comes in. Yeah, because what you said yesterday, GM is either going to look really smart or really stupid. No, but that's 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 the that's the league. And if you're Chris Ballard, if you're a Colts fan, are you kind of saying, what do I got to lose? Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, Ballard's on thin ice. He's he's got second life. Yeah, he has. He's on thin ice, but he's playing with house money. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. What does he have to lose? You fall in. All right. I mean, he's he's playing with the nine lives thing. Yeah. Listen, 
we know on this station, we, the listeners know, we know, Chris Ballard can work his way around the mic. Oh, yeah. So, you know, if it weren't to work out and if he weren't to have that position, he's going to be all right probably being one of those guys up there, Mm -hmm. you know, on get up, being able to make a a healthy salary. So I'm I'm saying that (laughs) he's – I'm just so fascinated by the psychology and the mentality and everything that's going to go into Chris Bell, everything that's weighing on him. And I know it can be as simple as, look, right now he is the current GM of the Indianapolis Colts. And currently, his job is to take, in his mind, the best player available, the player that's going to bring the most value, bring the most bang for your buck, be the guy for this organization. But I don't, I don't think it's that simple. It can't be, and a human element, right? He's there's yeah. so many things flying around. I mean, just imagine, <laughs> just imagine Valor being able to let loose on like first take or something. <sighs> That'd be awesome. Oh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Or a uh, Ballard, like, truly uncensored interview. He goes on a podcast, could just let it rip. And to his credit, like we've talked about, on this station, you know, he's with Pat McAfee. Hell, he's gone on with me for 30 minutes. Yeah. Chris Ballard has. And he's been asked a lot of tough questions. He answers every question. He answers every question. Now, again, this is my point. He's very good around the mic. He knows how to work it, and that's part of the job. Part of the job. I think that's absolutely part of the job, and it brings a lot of value when you have that ability. Obviously, it's proven. I think I think if Chris Ballard didn't have that kind of way about him, I don't think he would still be here. That's part of what makes a successful executive, especially in sports. Right. Talking to them for 25 minutes, and they tell you nothing. But But it sounds beautiful. It sounds like, to the fan, they'll be like, oh, you know what? I agree with that. But in reality, he just said blabberish for two minutes on an answer. Mm-hmm. But hey, that's what the greats have always done. Uh, a couple of spring, a few spring trainings ago before COVID, I got to interview Joe. Got to interview Joe Matt. Nice. Didn't tell me anything for 10 minutes. <laughs> Didn't tell me squat. But it was great. And then you release the interview. You're like, oh, man, this is a great chat. Didn't say anything. Or you could go the Tomlin route. And you could say a whole lot of stuff that people just don't really know what you're saying because of the, his Tomlinisms. That he's he's talking about painting a barn red and if the shoe fits, but we don't play the game this way. We don't read a book that doesn't have a cover that we. You're like I, he said all, he said some stuff. I don't know what he's it was. Talking. And at sports radio stations like us are going to cut it up. We're going to play it. It's like oh you know what I think he meant this by that. And it sounds really cool. Yeah. Don't know. Imagine, uh, cool. imagine sports already. Imagine being like WEI in New England. You have to like reflect on Bill Belichick interviews. They've been doing that for a long time. That'd be tough. Been doing that for a long time. Yeah. See, and that's another. You know, to to Ballard's credit, that's another thing to where he can make the boring seem interesting. Right. Right. Like we start the midday show every day. Jimmy cuts up a bunch of clips and plays them. Like we had Michael Pittman today. Imagine you start the show with Bill Belichick. Be depressing as hell. Whole lot of nothing. Whole. <laughs> A lot of nothing. But it gives you a lot to yell about. So Yeah, and I don't know. Earlier last week when they introduced Steichen, I feel like Steichen gave a lot of general answers. Yeah. But that, you know, that's that's typical now in a, in a sports press conference. You're probably not going to get a ton of personality in an opening press conference. I would say, yeah, they, they were pointed. They were general, but they were very pointed. Yeah, for sure. He wasn't going to go around and try to do laps and, you know, have this cool story to tell or anything. It was straightforward. Are you going to do this? Yep, this is what we're going to do. We're going to work on that next week. Boom. Yeah, and same case 
uh, elsewhere in town. Rick Carlisle, general. I think that's a great way to put it, what you just said. General, but pointed. Yep. That's how Rick talks. This is a hard transition here, but I can't help but notice. I know Jimmy's an NBA guy. Hit me. Uh, I mean, Russell Westbrook, Like, how long, how long are we doing this? Well, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you don't need to hesitate on that. He, he will be. I mean, the yeah. NBA is one of the... No, no respect because I still appreciate the NBA Hall of Fame, but it's one of these to get into. He was the first player since Oscar Robertson to average triple double. Yep, he's right. an MVP winner. Yeah, he's going to be a no, Hall of Famer. Just, yeah, there's no pause. It, but they got to put on his plaque that nobody can play with it, dude. I'm just <laughs> right. saying, you know, we we have these these segments that are up there on TV, and you see, you know, Westbrook signing now with the Clippers after being bought out. Now it's a will 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 this big three work with Russell didn't Westbrook? Didn't him and PG and already try to work it out? Weren't they already together? Were they for a year? And okay, right. I mean, they to be there wasn't like a. They did, but there wasn't like a huge backlash. Yeah, there. they, they stunk, just right? Them. I mean, they were. Didn't they stink? I don't remember them. Be, I'll have to look it up. I don't remember them being bad. <laughs> I just remember. I remember all I remember from that is the Thunder trading him to L.A. and them getting Shea Gilds Alexander and a couple other right. pieces back in that trade. But right. I don't really remember. It wasn't like noteworthy. You weren't writing about them about being the next front runners to win a championship. I don't think they were bad though. Anyways, I just saw. I was just getting a little little Westbrook fatigue. You know, he's kind of everywhere, and it's just like, is it going to fit? Is it going to work? Is it going to fit? Is it going to work? I'm like, I think we have our answer. Well, it's because your boy, Max Kellerman's on. See, see what happens when you throw your boy in there, and it's all <laughs> of a sudden you're lumped with all of Max takes. See? You, you, see? Get the, you get the Nick right, I get the Max <laughs> yeah, Kellerman. That's yeah. fine. All right. Hoosiers <laughs> in East Lansing tonight. Another hard transition here for you. Um, who do we like? Do you, I mean, obviously, there's a, a heavy heart, a lot yeah. of outside um, matters going on at Michigan State and East Lansing for this game tonight. Um, but do the Hoosiers come away with a win tomorrow that we're talking about heading into the big one in West Lafayette on Saturday? Well, that that environment tonight is going to be special. Looking forward, emotional. Yeah, very emotional, young. special. So look forward to watching that on TV. But, hey, man, your Boilers, they're, they're going to be the rested team heading into this weekend. Yeah, we rested have the, and at home. You got to be feeling pretty good, eh? Yeah, and you know, there's going to be a hunger, a, a vengeance on the mind, as there should be. Um, but Matt Painter said at the, you know, Jimmy played the top of the clip yesterday, the start of the show, about how he he, he doesn't really like having more than three days right. to where they don't play, right? So then all of a sudden, now that paranoia part of me starts coming down. It's like, oh well. How, is, how much is there going to be rust involved? Is it going to get off to a shaky start? You know, I mean, you know, the Hoosiers go up to East Lansing tonight, and let's say they roll Michigan State, and they're kind of putting it all together coming into Saturday, West Lafayette. It's like, does that play into effect? Again, that's me just getting into my own head. But, but maybe, yes, on paper, you should say add up all those things: a home night game at Mackey, the entire student section, the fan base ravages. Just say, hey, we almost had you, even though we were down early. In Bloomington, down big at half. We almost came back and had that. Now it's on our court. Let's make it happen. Well, maybe that's what they need. They're in an unusual territory. They just lost back-to-back games. Maybe that's what they need, a little reset, a couple days off. That could do a lot of things. And whatever, you know, if Painter, Painter's one of the best coaches in the country. He can adapt just fine yeah. to having those days off. I would hope that they gave Edie and especially Smith and Lawyer uh, the the freshman needed a mental break. The grind of the Big Ten, grind of college basketball, especially when you're playing every other night, you need a little break. So maybe on the road too the past yeah, week or so. So I I think though Joey that'll benefit them more than anything. Yeah, whatever. You know, Painter's a great talker, and he's he always comes up with the right soundbite, always. So 
this, in my mind, will benefit them more. I know you know this, but for the listeners, in case they don't, Purdue obviously did get an opportunity to bounce back and did against Ohio State on Sunday, but to Joey's larger point, the idea of having a gap between that game oh, yeah, on Sunday, my, yeah. six day, I knew you knew that, but just yeah. so the audience knew, um, that gap to prepare for a game like this, I mean, yeah, it's it stinks, but also Purdue's familiar with this in yep. general, as is Matt Painter, with that's life when you get to the NCAA tournament. Once you get past yep. that first weekend, you got the gap. So. Off. Yeah. Better, better adjust. Yep. Do you Run feel like time. do you feel like that team's different than the last couple of years? You know, I felt like last year's team was different, and I felt like yeah, the team I, that before that was. I don't different. know what the, then, I mean. North Texas and St. Peter's, man. It, it, if if there's any team that can do it, it's this team because Smith and Lawyer don't know any better. Yeah, just go play. Mm-hmm. They don't have any of that attached to them. And Edie. This isn't breaking news, but he he is he even then wasn't the dominant force that he's become. Yeah, this year. Well, I imagine being the imagine being the 16 seed that they draw, and kid on the 16 seed say, like, "Hey, you gotta go guard Zach Eady." Yeah, it's like all right. I mean, they quite literally have a head up on everybody. Feel bad for that kid. That the 16 seed kid that has to guard Zach Eady. God bless. Did you ever have to? What's your like claim to fame of like? Oh man, I had algebra at 2:40, and at four o'clock, I had to guard such and such. Well, I never played basketball or baseball, whatever sport you played. Yeah, I had to face. um, I had to face Kyle Funkhauser, first round pick, got drafted by the Tigers. He was throwing 98 in high school. What a name! Yeah, throwing 98 in high school. Yeah, didn't go well. No. (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's one that's one of those things where you just stand up there strike you didn't even get a hack at it well you can't see the ball joey you ever face 98 face 95 can't see the ball i mean somebody sees it a lot of people see it well i took the first pitch i was like yep uh-huh. Yeah. Those always got me. Did one of those where you step out of the box, you kind of like, okay, you look to, yeah, like, 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 <laughs> like, yeah, okay, Just the gloves, little Nomar style. All right, get back in there. You're sure. And then, yeah, look to the dive. I didn't like, make contact. Bad. I didn't make contact against Kyle Funkhauser. What's he doing now? Uh, he's still pitching. I forgot what team. He was first round pick of the Tigers. Yeah, I think I know bigs. that name, yeah. Yeah, he's still, he's still pitching, but. I think, What's your claim to fame? Uh. In high school, well, geez, probably even younger than that. You know, it was one of those that, like, we played Park Tudor every year. So we went up against Yogi Farrell when he was like fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. So I had that whole squad. Mm. Not in high school, though. High school pitcher, probably Dylan Peters from Cathedral. Lefty off the bump. He wasn't Dylan nine- Peters. He pitched for the Indianapolis Indians. Uh huh. And he. Except he didn't throw 98. No, he wasn't 98, but he was a lefty going like 94 off yeah. the bump. And like lefty, I mean, yeah, he was yeah. he was the kind of guy that like he'd strike you out and then he would stare you down as he walked back to the dugout. Yeah, it was tough. He made the big leagues, though. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, absolutely he did. All right. Hoosiers in East Lansing tonight. We're going to be talking about it tomorrow, of course. Hopefully, we'll try to line up somebody either from IU, Purdue. We're going to have more IU, Purdue flavor uh, coming up tomorrow. But first, uh, IU has to go up there in East Lansing and um, take care of business or see what happens. Um, yeah. And we could get, we'll definitely get the Bears' perspective. We had David Kaplan on about a month and a half ago. That was right when the yeah. Bears got the number one pick. But. You know, Cap gave us his scenario of what it would take to acquire that pick. I don't know if his mind has changed, but we get a pretty good answer tomorrow yep. about what it would take to get that number one pick. Yep. All that and more. We'll be back to wrap it up on Fan Midday Show next. 
A little Daft Punk bringing us back on a Tuesday to wrap things up on the Fan Midday Show. Joey Molinaro, Brennan King, Jimmy Cook, thanks for being with us on your Tuesday. Hope it's been a great one. I did. Uh, I, I failed to mention. I got to get this out there. Um, the best man at my wedding, uh, Clinton Corbin, he texted me and said, "You you forgot to mention that you played with a guy that was in the NFL for seven years, still currently on a roster, I believe. That's Cole Toner, mm. Ron Colley, uh, Our Lady uh, of Greenwood Eagle." Um, yeah, he went to Harvard and then graduated 2012 with me. So a little smarter than you. A lot smarter. Went to Harvard and then got drafted in the fifth round by the Arizona Cardinals. Spent three or four years with them. Then went to the L.A. Chargers, then the Houston Texans. And then last year he finished the year uh, with the Los Angeles Rams. So my guy Cole Toner, he was – so <laughs> when we were playing at Ron Colley, he was the left tackle, obviously. You know, 6'6". At the time, probably 250 high school playing weight and i was the what they called the z back it was kind of like the you know up back slot receiver or whatever but i had to do a lot of uh on like toss plays i had to kind of double team and, and team up with cole mm. you know get the edge so needless to say i didn't have to do a lot of heavy lifting i kind of just went hip to hip with him well i was gonna <laughs> wrote say, his coattails. i was gonna say that he owes his nfl career to your benefit <laughs> blocking i know yeah you taught him how to block no, sir. But again, to our point, we were talking about with Quentin Nelson earlier, a very, very large man. I went to high school, um, Jimmy knows this, with two-time Super Bowl champ now, Nicky Allengretti, backup guard for the Chiefs. Oh, nice. Just had, he, had, he had twins on the morning of the Super Bowl. His wife did. So, so a text has and, Jimmy been trying to uh, use his relationship with you to get inside the Chiefs locker room? Uh, Jimmy has not asked for Nicky's number. This, this, it's a professional relationship. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> I, uh, Nick, I, Nicky, you know, we've kind of drifted apart since high school, but we sat next to each other in uh, study hall one year, and I, you know, all, all those football talks you know, definitely There's nothing, had to get him to the NFL. Nothing like the study hall friend. Study Hall friend's a good guy. Study Hall friend, Channel One friend. You're sitting in Ch- there. Channel One. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's when you're sitting in there and like the, you both are just like rattling off every first overall NFL pick up back to like 1972. Yeah. Just having the time of your life. Channel and then one, you never talk to him ever again. Channel One had some great like music from back in the day. Like mm. they debuted a bunch of bands on Channel One. Um, that's, that's all I, I never watched, like the news part. Mm. Just saved for like the music videos. But yeah, Channel One. Yeah. Anyway, Jimmy, make us some money. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a athlete. This is my way. This is how I win. Today's Plays of the Day, all in college basketball. Lot of road favorites that we're taking tonight. We're going to take Baylor to win the money line at Kansas State. Also going to take Tennessee to win the money line at Texas A&M. Taking Indiana Hoosiers to win the money line at Michigan State. And this has been a combo that's been kind to us. Over the last couple of games, taking Trace Jackson Davis over 21.5 total points and Jalen Hood Shafino over 12.5 total points. Last one for you. Scooping four for Ball State and head coach Michael Lewis as they host Kent State tonight. 1 0 yesterday, 1 0 in the week. Plays on Twitter at the J. Cook. Chirp, chirp. Gentlemen, anything? Uh, no, not for me tonight. Although I will say that Kansas State Baylor game, that's a Jerome Tang revenge game. You feeling okay about that? I am. You're taking Baylor? We got we got a good mix tonight. Taking Coach Drew to beat us. Uh, a lot of lot of lot of plus money. Okay, all across the board tonight. I'm just saying, Re- Coach Revenge games are hey, a different breed. It, it, it needs to be taken into account. It was not taken lightly. I'll put it that way. <laughs> Tell you what, Jimmy, I'm just going to go. In spite of you, I'm going Spartans money line. 
Okay. It's an emotional evening there. It's a late tip. IU looking ahead to Purdue. We come in wearing green tomorrow. I'm already wearing green today. Me and Brendan were with the uh, Cubs, the feel here. Yeah, the uh, Wrigley Field feel. It's got to get you know getting ready for the season, baby. Yeah, I th- I think this is a wild card team. Could be. I really do. I, the I th- bats. I, some I, of the young guys come up and, and give you the bats to. I, I'm sure you've heard the name Matt Mervis. Uh-huh. Mervis going to be a stud. He started the year with us last year. Uh, PCA still a couple years away. Pete Crow Armstrong. But if Miguel Amaya can finally get healthy, come up and serve in that backup catcher role, you get three legitimate catchers in Gomes, Barnhart, and Amaya. I, I think this is a wild card team. I think that's the best double play 6-4-3 in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, Co- you know, the way they're going to play up the middle with Swanson, Nico, and Bellinger, up the middle, yep. nothing's dropping. Mm-hmm. L- little flare to center? You kidding me? Yep. Every single one of them is going to be caught. Yeah, that was up at CubsCon in January. Both of us were up there, but I was sitting in um, on Jed. Um, the other guy, I'm blanking his name right now. His Carter right Hawkins. Man. Carter Hawkins, there it is. Yeah, Jed and Carter. And that was one thing they just kept hammering over and over again. You know, even at question, they kind of Chris Ballard it. Even a question yeah. that would be about anything else, they would turn it back to, well, I mean, this defense, if you look at what we're providing, what we're really putting together here defensively, and rightfully so. They are. Because not only yeah. that, but then you have Gold Glove Ian Happ in left field. Our boy. Yeah. Former South Bend Cub right Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Yeah. Love Happer. Happ's good so dude. So I, I, I would love that. You know, it's just, um, you know, we can't all be Jay Cook and have the Yankees and Aaron Judge. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, it'd be good. Hey, I wear that one pride, man. That one, that, that, that one like the Chiefs are since birth. Like, on the one hand, though, my National League team is the Cubbies. A lot of family friends that are the Cubs. <laughs> Wait a no, second. no, to be clear. To be clear. You have a National League to be, team. To be clear. To be clear. Everybody points to, well, if you weren't a Yankees fan, who would you root for? There's an alternate universe where I'm a big Cubs fan. I mean, just. Kevin Bowen's not happy to hear that. I'm Kevin sorry. Bowen, I'm sorry. The Red Legs. I'm, I'm sorry. Actually, just, it's not even the Red It's the Louisville Bats. There, there's, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's too many parallels between. I, I guess I'll use Kansas City prior to Mahomes as an example. They don't have quite the lovable loser history as the Chiefs, or as, as the Chiefs don't have that like the Cubs do, but I always admired that. There's few fan bases passionate as Cubs fans. Well, that's what I was about to say is, you know, it's just, it, it's time. You need to have meaningful baseball up there in the summer, getting into September. Nothing like when the sun's setting early in uh, late September and there's some, you know, there, there's a lot on the line up there at Wrigley, so that needs to happen. Absolutely. But yeah, if you're, if you're a Reds fan at this point, honestly, you just hate yourself. <laughs> Yeah, I mean Will Myers, big off season move. I mean, you just yeah. you, you you truly enjoy just being miserable, you know? So I saw I saw a tweet the other day. It was like, hey, if you're it's like if you're a girl and you're looking for a guy, try and find somebody that roots for a crap sports organization. Oh, because they they're loyal. Ring. They're loyal. Oh, it's okay, that's fine. Yeah. Do the loyalty. I thought no. it was gonna be that crappy meme that every St. Louis Cardinal fan has dropped up until twenty sixteen. Why'd you marry son? Because you wouldn't expect a ring. No. Well, no, yeah, no. Get a guy that roots for a crap organization because they're loyal. God, no one worse than Cardinals fans. Oof. I I'm gonna abstain. Why? Well, you know, I I like to be universally liked in the game. I mean, I have friends that are Cardinals fans, and they know how awful they are. Oh, I, I mean, I hate the Cardinals. Yeah, but you know, I try and be as friendly as possible because I like to take the high road as a Cubs guy. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I don't. That's fine. <laughs> this works out for that, us. Yeah, though. that works out pretty well. You know what? You got to – tell you what. I told you this before. You are welcome in South Bend anytime for a ball game. You come in. You do some color with me. I love it. 
Let's do, do it. it. Yeah. We'll do uh we'll make fun of um the baseball broadcasters and we'll be talking about cotton candy. I'm there, bro. Yeah, because you do your uh mm-hmm. baseball broadcaster imitation. Yeah, you can yeah. actually do it for real. The cotton candy with the <laughs> mini helmet ice cream. <laughs> Pull out the credit card, Dad. All right. Fan Midday Show. Thanks for hanging with us. Joey Molinaro, Brendan King, Jimmy Cook. We'll be back with you tomorrow talking more Colts. Of course, IU-Purdue look ahead coming up on Saturday. Jimmy Cook. It's a false start. Is, Molinaro. Uh, a, what? Are we a little too well, early? You're about, you're about to close it out at 2.55, but we got two minutes. Oh, okay. Well, we got two minutes. So let's just uh, crap on the Cardinals fans a little bit more, <laughs> right? No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, that is a very, do, do you find yourself, though, as a baseball broadcaster, do you find yourself whether you're out in just regular life tapping into the baseball broadcaster voice no because my voice is what you get here really Th- always is, been that way always been that way never with, with a chick you know on a date you're talking like that no well no, you just I, don't go on many dates I, or? <laughs> that's cold that's that's a low blow joey molinaro uh no i i think um the people that use fake voices especially in the game mm. It, it's just such a fake vibe because yeah. I know people that do that. Yeah, sure. Um, if you're trying to be somebody else other than you, who are you trying to fool? Yeah. You're, you're just kind of fooling yourself at that point. So, no, what what you see here is what you get on air. I mean, it, but, like, think about it. The great Pat Hughes, Hall oh, of Fame yeah. voice of the Cubs. You know, Pat uses his voice, but there is a way of making your voice sound a little bit more professional through the ebbs and flows of the game. You know, if something's exciting happening, use the crowd noise in the back of your headset to make your voice pop a little bit. You know, and, and that's what Pat does so well. Everybody's just getting a free broadcast seminar from Brendan King. Yeah, I mean, I try my best. You want to throw on the headset? You want to get behind the mic? You do it. Baseball's different than, ba- you know, Jimmy does a lot of Ron Colley baseball, or I'm sorry, football and basketball. Completely different from baseball and how yeah. you use your voice. Baseball, you just have to BS the whole time and yeah, talk honestly, about people it, in the stands. It, it, it is a lot of BS. The concessions and what you're having and what you're going to have afterwards. Yeah, painting the what, picture. That's what makes it. Exactly. Painting the picture. I mean, the, the, game, the game I was able to call at Wrigley this year, I described what the Ivy, what the Ivy was turning some yellow and lighter green. You described that. You and know? Hap takes a 1-0 inside. Yeah, that's what I'm Back saying. Back to the Ivy. Anyway, we got 10 <laughs> seconds. So Close us out, Joey. <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah, thanks for hanging with us today. Tomorrow, IU, Purdue, Purdue uh, preview coming up. More Colts talk. Fan midday show podcast there. JMV's next.